Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From his undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. It's a free-for-all edition Live or Politic Podcast. Woohoo! think that the left wing of the party, you know how we talk about Trump derangement right. syndrome or Obama, I think that the left wing of the Democratic Party, there is Fox derangement syndrome, yep. and even though they know that... that uh, Martha McCallum and Brett Baer and I would give a fair debate the idea of anything with Fox News presents the Democratic debate and they were just looking for an excuse and the New Yorker article gave it to them Carol Simpson it strikes me that that sounds like Chris Wallace sounding like the other parts of Fox News talking about the left wing of the Democratic Party is that part of the issue here is that even the straight news journalists and Chris Wallace is a fantastic interviewer but he just sounded like Sean Hannity a little bit there he did. And I used to work with Chris uh, in Chicago. We were young local reporters. And he's a real newsman and a serious newsman. I guess you can't be in the atmosphere of Fox News without accepting some of its tenets. And poor Chris is probably <laughs> getting some of that um, affecting him. Uh, I don't know. I, I agree with the DNC that they should not participate with Fox in a, in a debate because, remember, Remember America, Fox was supposed to be fair and balanced, and it is unfair and unbalanced. And uh, why would any Democrat go on there when they've made it clear the Democrats are leftist, socialist, uh, commie, pinko liberals? Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's I think it is a good decision. I think the debate itself could be fair because Chris Wallace, as uh, Carol indicated, is an exceptionally good interviewer. Uh, Brett Baer is a very capable interviewer, and so is Martha McCallum. I, th I think the issue is not the uh, what the content of the debate itself would be. From the Democratic perspective, uh, it's that they uh, see Fox News, as uh, Gabe uh, has reported, as Jane Mayer has reported, as in essence an extension uh, of the... Uh, the other party, the uh, White House, that they're trying to defeat. And so uh, I think they don't want to lend um, authority to that uh, voice. You know, the, the Republican Party and Fox News have a common strategy, which is to alarm and appeal to older white uh, viewers and voters. And as that group shrinks, uh, they uh, the Republican Party and, and Fox are forced to try ever harder and harder to alarm them, which carries them further and further from uh, a realistic discussion of the nation and its problems. And Fox uh, and the Democratic Party has made a decision that they don't want to uh, uh, ratify and affirm that uh, movement by Fox and by the Republican Party. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It's the 14th of March, year of our Lord 2019. It's a free-for-all show. And today we're going to cover our violent left, because there's there's just freaking more. Some more AOC, Tlaib. I like to call them the three idiotos. We're going to stick with that. 
We were going to do an op-ed, but we kinked it because the show went long when I found this incredible soundbite that's 23 minutes long done by a conservative guy who found out how AOC became AOC. And once you see it, it or listen to it, it's it's pretty painful. Then we'll do news, social media nuggets, and this is America. So an astute listener, my better half, actually it's my better half and my sister, both said my intersectionality scorecard was great, but you missed the biggest category. And I had hedged back and forth on illegal immigration. So it's in there. So if you'd like a new one for your friends to share, because I'm trying to make this go viral, which isn't happening, but, you know, a guy can dream. I've added the top line illegal immigrant to above personal color, and that's an instant 10 points. So that's now rectified the omission and made it pretty much what it is. If you're an illegal immigrant, we care. Yeah. They totally care about you. I also want to start before we go into our lead-in, which is going to be about Tucker Carlson, because i, I got to cover this. Um, a new poll came out. It was conducted at the end of 2017. We had covered this once on the show, but it was used in the media a couple times. So this is the official thing, and I just want you to think about this as... We go through this as, as, once again, new listeners might think, man, this guy is an Islamophobic. No, I'm Islamist-a-phobic. I don't think Islamists are good people because they tend to chop off people like me's head off. All right? They look a lot like me. They chop their head off. And I'm not transphobic or homophobic, but I just think as we go through all this, you must do this, and this is how you must talk, and you can't say these words, and blah, 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 blah. We're doing it for a very, very small slice. So I was going with 5% of the country is homosexual, 0.7% is transsexual. But once again, that's wrong. It's 4.5% gay or lesbian and 0.6% transsexual. This actual survey done by Gallup found that 5.1% of women identify as lesbian. 3.9% of men identify as gay. And only 0.6%, not even a full percentage of Americans, are transgender. And I think that's important to reckon in our head that we go through all this shit. Companies go through all this pain. The mob that's going after Tucker Carlson have tried to re- work the English language for 5.1% of the country. Now, if you're a liberal out there, you're like, well, that's great. That's what we should do. Well, then the 3% of the country, or 0.3%, less than trans, who fought in the wars, well, we're not getting our special class. We should get a special class then, because we're a smaller minority. So if we're all about just about on minorities, well, yeah. We should probably get a little more. So, wanted to hit that up front. So, the Tucker Carlson thing, once again, Media Matters, formed by the Clintons, goes after him for saying something on a shock jock. By now, everybody knows it. You've heard it through any conservative media you heard about. But I want to go over it anyway, because this is what we're talking about. This is the same kind of shit. 
something somebody said a long time ago they need to repent for. But Tucker, yeah. This is why I used to watch him when he first started. I, I recorded it for like the first couple weeks. I love his show, but I just don't like watching Fox News, so I won't. And I think he handled this perfectly. Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. As anyone who's ever been caught in its gears can tell you, the great American outrage machine is a remarkable thing. One day you're having dinner with your family, imagining everything is fine. The next, your phone is exploding with calls from reporters. They read you snippets from a press release written by Democratic Party operatives. They demand to know how you could possibly have said something so awful and offensive. Do you have a statement on how immoral you are? It's a bewildering moment, especially when the quotes in question are more than a decade old. There's really not that much you can do to respond. It's pointless to try to explain how the words were spoken in jest or taken out of context, or in any case, bear no resemblance to what you actually think or would want for the country. None of that matters. Nobody cares. You know the role you're required to play. You are a sinner begging the forgiveness of Twitter. So you issue a statement of deep contrition. You apologize profusely for your transgressions. You promise to be a better person going forward. With the guidance of your contrition consultants, you send money to whatever organization claims to represent the people you supposedly offended. Then you sit back and brace for a wave of stories about your apology, all of which are simply pretexts for attacking you again. In the end, you get fired. You lose your job. Nobody defends you. Your neighbors avert their gaze as you pull into the driveway. You are ruined. And yet, no matter how bad it gets, no matter how despised and humiliated you may be, there is one thing you can never do, one thing that is absolutely not allowed. You can never acknowledge the comic absurdity of the whole thing. You can never laugh in the face of the mob. You must always pretend that the people yelling at you are somehow your moral superiors. You have to assume that what they say they're mad about is what they're actually mad about. You have to take them at face value. You must pretend this is a debate about virtue and not about power. That your critics are arguing from principle and not from partisanship. No matter what they take from you in the end, you must continue to pretend that these things are true. You are bad. They are good. The system is on the level. But what if we stopped pretending for a minute? What if we acknowledged what's actually going on? One side is deadly serious. They believe that politics is war. They're not interested in abstractions or principles, rules or traditions. They seek power and they plan to win it, whatever it takes. If that includes getting you fired or silencing you or threatening your family at home or throwing you in prison, okay. They know what their goal is. If you're in the way, they will crush you. What's interesting is how reliably the other side pretends that none of this is happening. Republicans in Washington do a fairly credible imitation of an opposition party. They still give speeches. They tweet quite a bit. They make concerned noises about how liberals are bad. But on the deepest level, it's all a pose. In their minds, where it matters, Republican leaders are controlled by the left. They know exactly what they're allowed to say and believe. They know what the rules are. They may understand that those rules are written by the very people who seek their destruction. They ruthlessly enforce them anyway. Republicans in Washington police their own with a never-ending enthusiasm. Like trustees at a prison, they dutifully report back to the warden, hoping for perks. Nobody wants to be called names. Nobody wants to be Trump. How many times have you seen it happen? 
Some conservative figure will say something stupid or incomplete or too far outside the bounds of received wisdom for the moral guardians of cable news. Twitter goes bonkers. The mob demands a response. Very often, the first people calling for the destruction of that person are Republican leaders. You saw it with the Covington Catholic High School kids. You see it all the time. Kevin McCarthy spends half his day telling Republican members not to criticize progressive orthodoxy. Paul Ryan did the same before him. A couple of years ago, the entire Democratic Party decided to deny the biological reality of sex differences, an idea that's as insane as it is dangerous. Republican leaders decided not to criticize them for it. They might get upset. This is a system built on deceit and enforced silence. Hypocrisy is its hallmark. Yet in Washington, it's considered rude to ask questions about how exactly it works. Why are the people who consider Bill Clinton a hero lecturing me about sexism? How can the party that demands racial quotas denounce other people as racist? After a while, you begin to think that maybe their criticisms aren't sincere. Maybe their moral puffery is a costume. Maybe the whole conversation is an absurd joke. Maybe we're falling for it. You sometimes hear modern progressives described as new Puritans. That's a slur on colonial Americans. Whatever their flaws, the Puritans cared about the fate of the human soul and the moral regeneration of their society. Those are not topics that interest progressives. They're too busy pushing late-term abortion and cross-dressing on fifth graders. These are the people who write our movies and our sitcoms. They are not shocked by naughty words. They just pretend to be when it's useful. It's been very useful lately. The left's main goal, in case you haven't noticed, is controlling what you think. In order to do that, they have to control the information that you receive. Google and Facebook and Twitter are fully on board with that. They're happy to ban unapproved thoughts, and they don't apologize for it. They often do. So do the other cable channels and virtually every major news outlet in this country. One of the only places left in the United States where independent thoughts are allowed is right here, the opinion hours on this network. Just a few hours in a sea of television programming. It's not much, relatively speaking. For the left, it's unacceptable. They demand total conformity. Since the day we went on the air, they've been working hard to kill this show. We haven't said much about it in public. It seemed too self-referential. The point of this show, is show has never been us. But now it's obvious to everybody. There's no pretending that it's not happening. It is happening. And so going forward, we'll be covering their efforts to make us be quiet. For now, though, just two points to leave you with. First, Fox News is behind us, as they have been since the very first day. Toughness is a rare quality at a TV network, and we are grateful for that. Second, we've always apologized when we're wrong, and we'll continue to do that. That's what decent people do. They apologize. But we will never bow to the mob, ever, no matter what. He nails it. It's a shock jock radio. They say all sorts of horrible shit. It was 10 years ago. He worked for MSNBC. Nobody cared back then. It's like watching old TV shows where they say gay and fag and and joke around and bash homosexuals or trannies or whatever. It was a joke. We just went through this whole purge a couple months ago, and then we went through the next purge. Then we went after what John Wayne said once. Tucker Carlson, or Jesse Kelly, you may think your life didn't turn out the way you wanted, but at least you're not working for Media Matters and combing through Tucker Carlson's radio. FYI, for those of you who don't know, Media Matters is a leftist enforcement arm whose entire purpose is to get pundits on the right fired. I have a tweet in here that we're going to hit. 
hundreds of hours. And then when this didn't work, they they tried to release some more. Ben Shapiro, I'm sure all the people tweeting boycott Tucker Carlson are nightly watchers, not Carlson haters. And that's a key thing. I don't understand why this even gets traction with any company. They have to be smart enough to understand that if I want to boycott Omar, I'm not from her district, I'm not a Democrat, so my impeachment shit, which is all over the internet, isn't going to go over very well. Or if now I went into the Dick's Sporting Goods, because they went through the next level of we're not selling any guns or ammo, and we're going to put other shit in that area as they try to sponsor a bass fishing tournament, which just really cracked me up. Uh, aren't you thinking there's probably a large group of PETA out there thinks that bass fishing is fucking the devil? Well, I don't shop at Dick's. Most of the people that try to get people fired or get companies in trouble or whatever, they're not customers. So why do you care? Madeline Peltz is the one. We reviewed nearly hundreds of hours of Tucker on Bubba. Trust me, there's more. Ben Shapiro asked her, And what prompted you digging these old radio appearances? Deep concern for the American public, which might be harmed if they traveled back in time and decided to listen to Bubba the Love Sponge. I mean, seriously. We're talking about a show. My God. Anyway, Nathan Bernran. Ben Shapiro is now smearing media matters for the Tucker Carlson tapes. Over the last month, Shapiro spearheaded a campaign against Elian Oma. So then they tried to go after him. Eric Spencer misrepresenting. He's not misrepresenting. You went back and pulled up old tapes. I, I Jesus fucking Christ. Uh, Dick Sanchez, please, Media Matters, dig up on Shapiro. Yeah, Media Matters, go for it. Then we have stories at the same time. John Harris, whole article was in Washington Post how Trump gives more time to opposing thoughts than Obama did. He gives more access to media than any president ever, is what he's saying. This is a WAPO article. But you know, Brian Seltzer and CNN did not like this. And here they are, just jerking off. They were so excited that they can maybe get a Fox person fired. Because you know they're all helping Media Matters. And I think Media Matters is not actually calling for his firing. They may want that to happen eventually, but what they're doing is they're saying, we just want the advertisers to know about this, and then the advertisers get to decide whether supporters show or not. And that is an interesting strategy. We can love that, we can hate that, but that's an interesting strategy. Here's everything he's said. Uh, You know, this liberal group says, we think he's anti-women, anti-minorities, anti-Muslims. You all decide what to do. And by the way, he's, he's seen very few brand advertisers willing to support him right now. So that does tell us something about the marketplace of ideas in this country, that there are a lot of big advertisers who do not want to be anywhere near Tucker Carlson. But wait a minute, are they pulling support from his show? They have been in a, in, a, in a kind of gradual way for a while after other controversies. You know, anti-immigrant stuff that Carlson said in the past. Advertisers started to try to back away and move their ads to other hours. We're seeing even more of that now in the midst of this controversy. Uh, now, it could be temporary, might not last. But I, I certainly think we have seen a number of big advertisers, you know, the prestige brands that you want to be associated with your program, 
say they don't want to be near his show. So there is some impact. And again, uh, that might be a bad thing, that might be a good thing, but that's ultimately in the advertiser's hand. Yeah, and look, and I read Mary Catherine's book, when it's terrific, and you really lay out... The, um, the idea here that Fox... Uh, is surprised by this. I agree with you, Allison, that this is something that's been going on for a very long time at Fox. But right now, Fox is trying to do two things. It's trying to counter this narrative uh, presented in The New Yorker last week that's a propaganda network for the president. And it's trying to promote its news brand. It's out there to advertisers promoting its news programs. So where are the news anchors on Fox saying, I don't want to work at this kind of right. place. This is unacceptable. Janine Pirro should not be allowed to be on this network reading this script that she's written that's been put in the teleprompter. Where are those news anchors? And there's also an argument about media solidarity, and hosts mm -hmm. on Fox have been making this argument, saying people like me should be defending them and standing up for them to host, uh, host a DNC debate. But what How if do we you say that about doctors? What if we said a bad doctor who, um, who does something terrible, other doctors should stand up for that doctor? That's a ridiculous argument. I'm in mm. PR. People criticize PR professionals all the time. If they're worthy of that criticism, then I agree with it. Here's what we know about Fox, and this is what matters. It's a revolving door for talent from Fox coming into the Trump administration. We know that there's Heather Nowert. There are many Fox contributors who are now working within the Trump administration. Roger Ailes actually was advising President Trump for a period of time following his departure from uh, from Fox News. Bill Shine, as has been widely reported, as we all know, who just stepped down, was working there. This is something completely different uh, and it's something that's dangerous. And I don't think it makes sense to in any way validate this as normal. Hmm. Would you have had Andrei Sakharov go on Soviet TV in 1973? <laughs> To go. Would I have had on, yeah. uh, Soviet T was a total state operation right. with totalitarian well, still is. Would, <laughs> it still yeah. is. Would you have had would you have had Sakharov had somehow that opportunity emerged, would you have had him go on Soviet TV for ninety minutes to tell the Soviet people this is a totalitarian dictatorial regime? Should he have taken that opportunity? I, you know, I, look, I'm not going to um, engage in something that was before I was born. But, um, but what I will say, but what I will say is that um, at the end of the day, we know. I want to talk about what we know right now in the present, here and now. And so, I think what we know here and now about Fox News is that it is an out. It's basically completely aligned with the Trump administration. What we also know is there are other ways that Democrats can reach voters who don't agree with them. There are podcasts. There's all kinds of new media. There's all kinds of people. That, or channels that can be distribution channels that be, can be used to reach those voters. Mm. So, um, so why wouldn't we use those channels? I think there should be solidarity in certain situations. Uh, if a Fox News reporter were blacklisted from the White House the way that Jim Acosta was, we should all stand up for that Fox News reporter. Uh, but in this case, I think this is a, this is a Democratic National Committee issue. Yes. Fox's fight is with the DNC, not with the media. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting, Angelo, that so many D.C. reporters were coming out supporting Fox taking Jeff's view, right, about going out and going on Fox. Uh, also an argument about media solidarity. And hosts mm -hmm. on Fox have been making this argument, saying people like me should be defending them and standing up for them to host, uh, host a DNC debate. But what How if do we you said that about doctors? What if we said a bad doctor who, um, who does something terrible, other doctors should stand up for that doctor? That's a ridiculous argument. I'm in mm. PR. People criticize PR professionals all the time. If they're worthy of that criticism, then I agree with it. Here's what we know about Fox, and this is what matters. It's a revolving door for talent from Fox coming into the Trump administration. We know that there's Heather Nowert. There are many Fox contributors who are now working within the Trump administration. Roger Ailes actually was advising President Trump for a period of time following his departure 
from uh, from Fox News. Bill Shine, as has been widely reported, as we all know, who just stepped down, was working there. This is something completely different, uh, and it's something that's dangerous. And I don't think it makes sense to, in any way, validate this as normal. Um, the idea here that Fox. Uh, is surprised by this. I agree with you, Allison, that this is something that's been going on for a very long time at Fox. But right now, Fox is trying to do two things. It's trying to counter this narrative uh, presented in The New Yorker last week that it's a propaganda network for the president. And it's trying to promote its news brand. It's out there to advertisers promoting its news programs. So where are the news anchors on Fox saying, I don't want to work in this kind of right. place. This is unacceptable. Janine Pirro should not be allowed to be on this network reading this script that she's written that's been put in the teleprompter. Where are those news anchors today? They might are be they thinking about how they're going to respond to Tucker Carlson. Uh, <laughs> yes. Seltzer was so excited. This is his tweet. Top of the morning, Sunshine Week, and two Fox News controversies on the top of the Monday's media newsletter. Media Matters says there's more where the offensive Tucker Carlson comments came from. In the same week that Fox News is holding a big event for advertisers to promote its new brand, the network is battling multiple controversies. Considering Fox for a Dem debate was controversial, now the DNC decision to exclude Fox is controversial an issue. What is Fox at heart? Are Fox fans open to Dem ideas? Does the Dem party believe Fox has a legit news operation? Here's my full story where I say no. People say all he does is watch Fox. That's all this guy does because that's why he got hired. He was me in his mom's basement. Tucker's message tonight, the left is out to get him. They demand total conformity, but we will never bow to the mob. Alexander Ocasio-Cortez. The best part about the GOP Fox propaganda machine is Republican congressman actually believes and consumes it uncritically, gets duped themselves, was leading to make statements like this. Another one thought I got paid from KDTH Netflix, Doc 2, Devin Nunes. A restaurant tonight, waitress asks if she wants straws, says she has to ask now in fear of the straw police. Welcome to socialism in California. That was a tweet she did, but then people point out to her, that's an actual law. That She doesn't even know it's real. It's real. But Brett Hume shows you why this. Doing well is the best revenge. The ratings every night. Uh, let me see Carlson. Two million, uh, 2.682. Cooper, 8. Hayes, 1.7. Every night except for Maddow occasionally, Fox News destroys the competition. And that's what they get upset about. They then threw a protest, Deborah Hine, Media Matter organized protest in front of Fox News headquarters. I couldn't find anything yesterday about it because it really wasn't that much of a protest because you're not going to get them to change it. And then Peggy Newton gets attacked because she comes in. The pattern of Twitter mob and spirit of accusation and humiliation are reminiscent of the Chinese Cultural Revolution. From her Wall Street Journal article, the air is full of accusation and humiliation. We have seen this spirit most famously on the campuses where students protest harshly, sometimes violently, views they wish to suppress. Social mob is full of swarming political and ideological mobs. In an interesting departure from democratic t tradition, they don't try to win the other side over. They only condemn and attempt to silence. 
The spirit of the struggle is all over Twitter. On literally Twitter, social justice warriors get advanced copies of new books and denounce them for deviationism as incentives racist, appropriate, appropriative, anti-LGBTQ. Books on the eve of publication have been pulled, sometimes withdrawn by authors who apologize profusely. Everyone's scared. And the tormentors are not satisfied by an apology. They're excited by it and prowl for more prey. Yeah, she's totally right. She gets attacked by a person. Sorry, Peggy Noonan. I utterly disagree this tire trope by rage of fantasizing colonists on Twitter mobs. Blah, 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 blah. Her response. I remove my cap at your sage words. I do not deserve your notice. I apologize for the column I wrote, which is not the column you think I wrote, but so what wise arbiter. And just dogs are. It was a perfect tweet. It was a perfect tweet. Because that's all they are. They, they don't want debate. The left has never wanted debate. None of these are real people offended. They just want to shut down opposing views. They do it on campus all the time and they win. We show it every week. They go after every conservative person that's ever uttered a fucking vowel on radio and TV and try to shut them off by getting their advertisers to quit. It's just a fucking dick dance that never stops. Another report, online activists are silencing us, scientists say. Whole thing out of London, I'm not going to read it. They literally say what we see in America every day. Every day. They got them so excited. Here's a long soundbite. Brooke Baldwin with Anna Navarro freaking out. And then Cuomo, once again, just, oh my God, this is just horrible. Two of Fox News star hosts facing heat today, one of them getting a rare rebuke from Fox News, but neither is apologizing. I'll start with Janine Pirro. Over the weekend, she said this about Muslim Congresswoman Ilhan Omar. Think about it. Omar wears a hijab, which according to the Koran 33, uh, colon 59, tells women to cover so they won't get molested. Is her adherence to this Islamic doctrine indicative of her adherence to Sharia law, which in itself is antithetical to the United States Constitution? Fox News condemning her remarks but taking no other visible action. And Pirro is not exactly saying sorry, issuing this response instead. I'll read it for you. I've seen a lot of comments about my opening statement from Saturday night's show, and I did not call Representative Omar un-American. My intention was to ask a question and start a debate, but of course, because one is Muslim, does not mean you don't support the Constitution. I invite Representative Omar to come on my show anytime to discuss all of the important issues facing America today. Uh, Meantime, another Fox primetime host, Tucker Carlson, is also under fire for past comments he made to a shock jock named, wait for it, Bubba the Love Sponge. Not just once, but over the course of several years. Warren Jeffs didn't marry underage girls. No, he, he's, in, he's in prison for facilitation of child rape. Whatever the hell that means. That means he's that... In prison. He's in prison because he's weird and unpopular, no. and he has a different lifestyle that other people find creepy. No, he's an accessory to the rape of children. That is a felony and a serious one at that. 
What do you mean an accessory? He's like got some weird religious cult where he thinks it's okay to you know marry underage girls, but he didn't do it. Why wouldn't the guy who actually did it, who had sex with an underage girl, he should be the one who's doing what? life. The, ra the, the rapist in this case has made a lifelong commitment to live and take care of the person. So I, it is a little different. I mean, let's just be honest about it. Now, this, talk, this guy may be a total maybe a child rapist. I'm just telling you I that arranging a marriage between a 16-year-old and a 27-year-old is not the same as pulling a stranger off the street and raping her. That's bullshit. Well, I love women, but they're extremely primitive. They're basic. They're not that hard to understand. I feel sorry for unattractive women. I mean, there's nothing they did, you know? <laughs> What's better than hockey, weed, and whores? I mean... But you know, first of all, there's no Canadian woman that you, you'd want to pay to sleep with. Uh, Anybody who answers my trophy wife is my favorite possession is my hero. I don't give a shit. I'm voting for the guy. You want to f*** Sarah Palin? You want well, to there's that. There is that. I'll agree with that. Okay. Just to recap, the host of Fox's most coveted time slot insulted women, even called a Supreme Court justice unattractive, and he also suggested underage marriage is not as serious as forcible child rape, calling rape shield laws totally unfair. But like Pirro, he didn't apologize. He called his words, quote, naughty, and instead pushed viewers to tune in tonight. Joining me now, CNN political commentator Anna Navarro and CNN political analyst, senior political analyst uh, John Avalon. John. No apologies for the vile rhetoric. Instead, the message is tune in. Mm -hmm. Is that their business model? No. Um, I think what they're seeing, though, is a contagion from the shock and awe business model they've done, where it's play to the base and flame with agitation, anxiety, anger, fear at the other. And it gets them into trouble, because guess what? You're playing with fire when you play with those forces. Uh, Janine Pirro's comments, those were impromptu people. Um, other people had seen them, okayed them, allowed them to go on. And, and she endorsed them. It wasn't a slip of the tongue, a, miscon you know, a, a, a misspeaking. And for alleged constitutional conservatives, uh, to say something like that, they should really actually read the Constitution, which, you know, freedom of religion is a pretty prominent part. Um, but it's part of the game they've been playing. Uh, I think with Tucker, you know, those comments, I'm glad you played the Warren Jeffs one, because I think that's in some ways the most serious. Tell me why. Um, because he's making light of of, of sort of institutionalized child rape with forced marriages inside a religious cult. Yep. Um, that's, there's nothing funny about that. Um, and his defense will be, look, you know, you're calling to a shock jock uh, conversation. It's a long time ago. Uh, I shouldn't have said those things. There's a degree of normalization. I mean, when Bubba the Love Sponge is trying to be the voice of reason, reining him in on that one, that's its own sort of warning. And, and look, Tucker uh, can be a charming, funny guy in person, but I think you're accountable for what you say when you have hmm. a microphone. And uh, that is, that is across in several lines. What do you think? Uh, I suspect that, you know, I, I'm not sure that I can even buy that he's a charming, funny guy in person. And to me, it's far more important what you're like when you are being viewed by millions of yeah, people. Yeah, when you have the mic. And the same way you just said the constitutional conservatives have got to think about what Piero said, social values voters and Christian voters and pro-clutchers and the people who have all the trouble when uh, other people do crazy things should also really question themselves and look at themselves in the mirror and say, why are we listening to this guy who we just heard on audio, uh, you know, say some really vile things. But then again, Brooke, take a look at who the Fox viewers are. They listen to on audio 
a Republican candidate, a Republican nominee, saying some very vile things mm. and then still voted him in. So I think the standards are different. I think the bars have been lowered. I think they don't apologize because they don't feel like they have to apologize because they, they refuse to apologize. They refuse mm -hmm. to apologize. And not only that, and I know that Tucker made those comments while he was at MSNBC, and they should be answering some of these questions as well. But it's like you look at what happens with Fox News and a host steps in some of it, uh, maybe a semi-rebuke, and they, they still have a job rinse repeat. This is the downstream effect of Donald Trump, though. This is, you know, the, the play of, you know, doubling down, refuse to apologize, distract, attack, deflect, divide. That starts, we see that contagion throughout our political and media culture because it's worked for him. And, and so you get that echo chamber effect when it comes to Tucker. We'll see what he says tonight. It's impossible to defend some of those things. I will say, though, it's mildly ironic given that late last week he was hitting Joe Biden for comments Biden made in the 1970s about busing, which is a whole other conversation we should have. Yeah, but I don't think you can successfully say that should be viewed in the context of its time when I was calling it above the love sponge. Uh, but everything else is, is fair game. And ironically, I think they've made the case for the Democrats saying we're not going to give Fox News the debate, a single debate. Yeah. And they've also uh, made the case and they've also, you know, thrown a life raft to uh, Ilan Omar with these comments. You know, so you can't take issue uh, consistently with Ilan Omar questioning whether a, you know, Jewish politician can ha has dual loyalty, where at the same time you're saying one that wears a hijab can have no loyalty to the U.S. Constitution. So one that wears, so you take issue with the one yes. wearing a yarmulke, but you don't take issue when the one wearing a hijab gets called out. It's called hypocrisy. Yep. It's called stupidity. And it's called doing a great big favor to Ilan Omar and the Democrats, both on that issue and the, and the debate issue. Because, you know, at this point they can say, yeah, of course we're not going to give these deplorable people these, you know, folks who are so tainted and biased and who are misogynist and who are offensive and outrageous at debate. They just made the case for that. And, and look, I think, we, I think that's a really important point about the irony of her attacking Representative Omar on those lines. Um, but that also, look, we're all human. We all make mistakes. And you should be judged by the totality of, of, of your life, but also what you say and do when you have the microphone. And the problem is this has been part of the business plan of dividing to conquer of appearing to narrow but intense niche audiences. But that's and, why I started with, is this exactly. their business model? No, and, and, and I, I do think, you know, I, I think this is, a, this is contagion from the business model. Gotcha. I think it, it's gotten people to a place where uh, nothing's shocking and they need to find a way to keep dialing that up. And I bet you that tonight when you, uh, folks tune in to watch Tucker Carlson, which of course I never do, uh, go there's going to be video of us. Having this oh, conversation, and instead of him do you wave? admitting his, uh, wave. yeah, you want to do, do an over and under? <laughs> so when the president started with the fake news BS, I knew it was going to have an impact. This president has a keen ear for what to say to play on people's fears, to stoke anger, and people are very suspicious of many things, including the media. So I went out against it early. It was so damaging, so ugly and intentional, such a slur, I said it was like the N-word for journalists. Wrong. After I said it, family and friends started calling, reminding me of what I knew and screwed up. The N-word carries a legacy of violence and murder and prejudice that is so profound in disrespect that being called fake could never carry that. What I said was wrong and hurtful. And if I knew that, I should own it and apologize. 
I didn't hesitate. I apologized because my intention was to protect something that mattered. And this did the opposite. But I didn't want to disparage African-Americans or the legacy of slavery. The opposite of anything. I didn't want to increase any divide. So that takes me to what's going on right now in the media, chasing after Tucker Carlson and Pirro, the latest provocateurs on the Trump train over at state TV. They should apologize for what they said about every minority group they could target collectively, though Carlson is the main mouth. Apologize. Are you kidding? They're not going to apologize. Stop asking. They want to press the divide. They want to attack what most want to protect. And ironically, you give them attention for doing something wrong, and they use that attention to say it more. And ironically, use your negative attention to play the victim. Big boy will say, the left is coming at me. It isn't nice. At the same time, he would strip away the sensitivity toward those who are actually victimized. Hypocrisy often goes hand in hand with harshness. Few bullies can withstand what they dish out to others. Listen to what Carlson says. He would vote for a presidential candidate who said, it's these lunatic Muslims who are behaving like animals, and I'm going to kill as many of them as I can if you elect me. Iraq is a crappy place filled with a bunch of, you know, semi-literate primitive monkeys. The Congressional Black Caucus exists to blame the white man for everything. He said this about a TV host. She seems extremely C-wordy. He didn't say that. He said the actual word. As for Jeanine Pirro, here's a taste. Which, according to the Koran, 33, uh, colon 59, tells women to cover so they won't get molested. Is her adherence to this Islamic doctrine indicative of her adherence to Sharia law, which in itself is antithetical to the United States Constitution? You know what they're doing. This BS is currency for them. They get paid for this. The base likes their heroes to be base. They've seen this president make it to the White House in part by doing the same thing. Now, a lot of this stuff that's coming up, at least about Carlson, is from years ago when he was desperate for attention. Here's the test. Would he say the same things today? No, no, he's too busy playing the victim. He'd only say that he was naughty, but he wouldn't repeat them tonight. Why not? Come on, big man. Read the list of all the things that you said and do it again and show that you mean it. Come on. You're not more about the money now than you are about the truth, are you? He says apologizing to the mob costs people their jobs. What a coward. Why don't you repeat what you said if it's not such a big deal? You're not going to apologize. He's being treated unfairly by those criticizing the same. Give me a break. See this guy and the others for what they are. If you mean it, own it. Don't just protect your money and your fame or infamy in your case. Apologize if you want, but that takes character. That is strength. That is integrity. Own that you did something wrong. People who just say ugly things to get attention and jump up and down on the fault lines in our society, you don't have any of these virtues. You are a victim, though, not of others, of yourself. Know that. The reality is the Media Matter guy himself has said the following. Japs, jewelry, and trannies. These are all posts that he's done that go way back. Did you notice the word attractive? What the fuck is that doing in there? Is a writer a tranny lover too? I'm not going to read the whole thing. He even said tranny paradise. 
In another post, Carson claimed that his boyfriend only learned conservative as a result of possession of several bags of Jewish gold. That's one of the founders. Remember, David Brock and a bunch of other fucking idiots, all the fucking podcasts, Save America, Bro Boys, they got in all this. This is all a Clinton thing. And yes, Media Media Research Center goes on Fox occasionally. But it wasn't formed by politicians. This was formed by the Clintons to get rid of the right-wing smear machine they thought was out there that was taken down poor Bubba when Bubba was taking himself down and besmirching Hillary for what Hillary is, a fucking horrible human being. I used to subscribe to it, but it's so fucking six degrees of separation, stupid shit. It's just ridiculous. And the key thing is... They have built a cottage industry of Fox News is the devil. Fox News is the reason why America's stupid. Yet we've already showed on the show, we just did last podcast, 98% of CNN viewers think that there's collusion when there's not. On CNN, all white people are terrorists, all white people are racist, Don Lemon. Not all punches are the same morally. Lefties can punch righties because they're all racist. We're good to go. Every night, live birth abortion is just codifying road, Cuomo. I mean, Anderson Cooper went off on this. Anderson Cooper's been talking about oral sex with his mother on live TV on New Year's. The things that are said over there, just what I just fucking played, are horrible. No. I don't think somebody joking around saying crazy shit on a shock jock radio radio is even real. Shock jock radio says all sorts of crazy shit. Howard Stern has said all sorts of horrible shit. He's a liberal. He's like a Alec Baldwin liberal. Marr has said horrible shit. He's still got a seat at the table. It's a radio show. It's 10 years ago. As me and my wife watch every weekend, we're watching the fucking Shield. They call people the N-word. They say faggot. That was just in the 90s or early 2000s. The mob has changed the world so much with their faux outrage, that every word's off limits. Because now everything's racist, everything's sexist, everything's transphobe, homophobe, xenophobe, phobiphobe, Islamophobe. I mean, I'm not even going into the Perino. Because I'd show my fucking islamist phobia, which is totally different than Islamophobia. Islamophobia is wrong. You shouldn't hate people just because of their religion. Islamist-phobia is totally normal. Because they're fucking extremists that will chop your fucking head off. And as I've said on the show a million times, Omar is not an Islam person of Islam. She's Islamist. She's as extreme as you get. She wears that hijab for reasons. I agree with Perino. I didn't see it or Perpero or whatever the fuck her name is. The judge. Um, I didn't even go into that. Because I, I wouldn't disagree. She got elected in a district that is a fucking feeder. It's a minor league ISIS fucking 
recruiting area. It's like where ISIS goes for spring ball, folks. And she's the ringleader. And we'll get into her. Yeah, Trump's not human. So we'll end on Bear um, having a great thing about the Fox boycott because, once again, they they, they don't want other opinions. And my lead-in was, and I forgot to hit it because it's early, that was all these ex-debaters, moderators, literally saying they're okay with it. So what does that tell you about it? It's it's what I've shown every fucking year. Go back to the 2016 debates on this show. It's online. All the questions were rigged to make the left look better. It's always been that way. And now they just want it to be more. You can goddamn guarantee... Most of America is not going to watch the debates because they know what it's going to be. Whoever the lefty is, is a perfect human being, will get no hard questions, will never get pressed, will never get asked all these terrible things they said in their past or how they evolved on everything. And Trump will get pressed just like Martha Raddatz did. That's our debates. They've always been that way. So it doesn't matter if it's on Fox. It really doesn't matter. All they did is hurt their candidate. Because more people watch Fox News than they watch all the rest. And if you're not going to take your Democrat over to the other place because you think all the people are horrible, good. I say good. It's just like all the boycotts that are going on. Good. Do that. Just like dicks. We're not going to carry guns because we want a virtue signal. Now their fucking business is in the tank and they're closing fucking stores. Well, it's the same thing for fucking politics. If you're not going to go to your opposing views network, which it is a a right-leaning network, and at least give it a shot to talk to people, well, then you don't expect a bunch of people on the right or on the fence that really don't want to vote for Trump to vote for you. If anything, they should be going to Fox and saying, I want all my debates on Fox, because I can get those people that are in the Trump tank to change. For fucking two and a half years, we've heard about how do we get these Trump people away from Trump. We need to get these people away because they've been, they're just fucking horrible Americans, but we still need them. No, the left has just said, fuck those irredeemable fucking deplorables, and we're going for illegals. We, we know we can win the, every election ever as long as we pander to fucking minority groups and we get all the illegals able to vote because we shouldn't be silencing our newest Americans who aren't even citizens. That's what they did. They voted it. We'll, we'll cover it a little bit. But, I mean, they they voted for that. That's their plan. We get around regular normal Americans in the middle of the country and that horrible racist electoral college. We just have... All the illegals vote. That's the best approach we're going to do, and we're going to stick with it. And if that isn't the craziest fucking shit, if a normal American doesn't look at that and go, oh, you don't want my vote? Okay, fine. Right now, I can't see not voting for Trump again. I can't see it. Every one of the candidates is extreme. The Democrats don't want my vote. And the Democrats are for fucking illegal people having more fucking rights than I have. Because I'm a horrible white person. Seriously. Why would I vote for him? So we're going to let Brett Beard carry us out. We're going to take a music break because we're already an hour in on our lead-in. But that's because of all the sound bites. We're going to come into our violent left. This is becoming the biggest segment I have every week. It's really sad. 
Now, a number of people who have had roles at Fox, this is no secret, have joined the administration. Bill Shine, former co-president here, now deputy chief of staff. But um, Times' Jay Carney became Barack Obama's press secretary. ABC's George Stephanopoulos, of course, worked in the Clinton White House. So this revolving door that the article talks about, hardly unique to Fox News. No. Uh, I mean, listen, let's not sugarcoat it. The, mm-hmm. the opinion folks, uh, a lot of them are very pro-Trump. They have a lot of communications. I don't know how, when they talk you know what they talk about i'm disconnected from that um i I like to think that we have horse blinders on and we are letting the news bubble up on our programs and uh the democrats who come on leave and say that was fair tough but fair and i i think that's what you would get if you had a debate on fox right now i don't defend everything that is done on fox and indeed it's often my job to criticize what happens on fox but to me this was like writing an article about the new york times and saying it's a totally anti-trump newspaper and then the predominant uh, quotes are from the op-ed page or the editorial page, which is the opinion side. So let me ask you this. You don't see long magazine pieces about whether CNN and MSNBC are unfair because they're opinion hosts at night, night after night, uh, criticize Trump as crazy, unhinged, racist, misogynist, dangerous. Let's invoke the 25th Amendment. Should the DNC consider that as a standard for awarding debates? Yeah, I mean, I'll leave that to them. I, I agree with you. I think that there is a... There is a, a disconnect here between how we're treated on the news side and how other operations are treated, given how their opinion in the primetime deals with the president. Um, now, the president tweeted out that he may not do general election debates with other networks. I mean, I don't think that helps us either. I do not. Um, uh, but there is a point here at which you have to look at fairness and I understand what the DNC is saying, but it's really disappointing that they came to this conclusion, considering the fact that after three years, uh, three cycles, rather, of really trying to get back a democratic debate, we have done them before. I thought this was the year. I'm not surprised at this decision. I do feel like the New Yorker is just a... Uh, I've called it a fig leaf. A fig leaf. Yeah. I mean, it's it's basically what they wanted to have happen. It just got them there. And uh, it's unfortunate. Uh, but here's what wasn't included in this 11,000 words. Fox has a full-fledged news division of which you and I and many other editors and reporters and anchors are a part. Um, do you feel that's often overlooked when critics say, oh, Fox is in the tank for Donald Trump? Yes. I mean, this has been happening since I've been here, 22 years. I mean, defending uh, Fox, it's two sides. There's the news side and the opinion side. And, um, you know, the, the loudest critics of Fox are often the people who don't watch. Uh, and I say, watch my show three times. Then drop me an email, drop me a post, mm-hmm. drop me a Twitter a tweet. And uh, the people who do uh, say that they... You know, they get it. They think it's fair. And you, for example, uh, complained on the air, I remember this vividly, uh, about not being able to get an interview with President Trump, the person to which we're all supposedly so close. Right. I mean, it took me 600 days. I had to chase him down in Singapore uh, to go on Air Force One to get my my first interview. Chris Wallace was even uh, later than that. And I think... Listen, there's a a disconnect here. There is a bit, and Chris said this, I think, on the radio earlier this week, there is a bit of Fox derangement syndrome uh, with a section of the left.
Welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast with Tony Reed. Next, uh, as white working class lives are, are getting a little more difficult, some would say, one author says they are dying of whiteness. What he says, or why he says, policies leading to those problems are backed by the very people they hurt the most. And they are the core promises many Republican candidates make to get to Washington, repeal and replace Obamacare, protect the Second Amendment, create jobs by cutting taxes. Those fights rage on, obviously, for years. But one researcher says the people who send those candidates to Washington are actually hurting themselves. They're, they're more likely to die from inadequate health care, from guns, or opioid addiction. So why do they continue to vote in a way that may be killing them, he says. Professor Jonathan Metzl says it boils down to the core of so many things in American politics, and he says that is race. Uh, Jonathan Metzl, professor at Vanderbilt University and author of Dying of Whiteness, How the Politics of Racial Resentment is Killing America's Heartland. When people would voice in these groups concerns about core GOP policies, in other words, saying, why can't we get background checks on guns even if we're pro-gun, or why can't we expand Medicaid in our area even if we're supposed to be Obamacare, that again and again those, those voices were drowned out by other members of the group who would kind of toe the line a bit more. And so it, it led me to think, you know, that, that this messaging that comes often from the president and the NRA and people basically tells white Americans that you can't compromise, that if you compromise a little bit, uh, you're going to lose everything. And ultimately what I argue in the book is that that is, is to the detriment. I feel like as white Americans we can do better. Ultimately the, rain, the main risk factor was did you live in a state or a community that had policies that, for example, blocked, blocked Medicaid expansion or let guns go anywhere. And so in a way, even though I found dramatic range, I, I'll never forget talking to people in these groups. And I mean, probably six out of ten of the people would say, I support background checks, for example, or can't we have gun safes to make our, our children safer if there's guns and children in the home? But, but that wasn't the policy that was dictating their actions because the, the politicians that they had elected were not going to allow for any kind of middle ground. Well, I mean, history tells us eight years ago, white workers helped keep black workers down. They also hurt their own wages in the process. But scholars back then understood that those white workers got a payoff. They were higher on the social totem pole uh, maybe than those that they kept down. What do you identify as the payoff now? Well, certainly the argument that you suggest has gone back, you know, many decades. W.E.B. Du Bois talked about a, a wage of whiteness. In other words, he asked why don't white workers align with um, newly freed slaves uh, to create a, a powerful workforce alliance. Uh, and the benefit was, uh, at the time, that you could identify as white and it made you feel like you were better than someone below the totem pole. And I think the same issues are at play right now, that in a way I feel like the political uh, arena right now for, for working class 
class Southerners, and I should say, of course, I'm a, um, I'm a white Southerner myself, um, but the, the notion is even though things are tough for you, um, you're still better off than the people below you, and that's an incredibly pow powerful message, particularly at this moment in time. And, and the, at the core, it sounds to me like what you're saying is this is all because of fear. Is that, yeah? Is that true? So as we wait for the White House Press Secretary, Sarah Sanders, to take to that podium, uh, let's bring in CNN Chief Political uh, Correspondent, Dana Bash, and CNN Chief White House Correspondent, Jim Acosta. So, Jim, you are in the room. Um, yeah. This is the first briefing. We and found it. You found it. You remember where yeah. it was. <laughs> um, exactly. this, is, this is the first press briefing in, in six weeks. Uh, the White House yeah. has a lot of questions to answer, and Sarah Sanders yeah. will have a guest. Uh, that's right, Brooke. Uh, we're expecting Russ Vaught, uh, who is the director of OMB, uh, the acting director of OMB, I suppose, because the uh, former director of the OMB, Mick Mulvaney, is now the White House chief of staff. But he's going to be coming out here to lay out uh, the president's budget proposal for the upcoming year. And, and keep in mind, I mean, this is something we've talked about in the past. It's not just uh, specific to the Trump administration, but these these budget uh, recommendations end up being uh, sort of administration wish lists. And it's not often uh, that we, you know, we, we uh, I, I should say it is often that we hear the term dead on arrival here in Washington with uh, respect uh, to a president's budget. This happened under Obama. Republicans up on Capitol Hill uh, greeted uh, President Obama's budgets the same way, and Democrats yeah. are greeting these Trump budgets uh, the same way. And, and specifically, uh, what you just laid out a few moments ago, Brooke, that $8.6 billion that's been proposed uh, for the president's uh, signature uh, item on his wish list, the border wall, uh, that is obviously something Democrats are, are not keen on, on giving the president. Uh, they're still fighting over uh, this national emergency declaration down on the border that the president's using to tap into funds administratively. Uh, but there have been lots of other questions, uh, Brooke. There have been, it's been 42 days since the last White House press briefing, only uh, one briefing in the last 80 or so days. And so there's just a whole pile of questions for the White House press secretary to, to answer from the Russia investigation to immigration uh, to, to these budget issues and so on. And so while Russ Vaught will be answering some of those questions, at some point the White House press secretary will come forward, uh, Sarah Sanders will come forward and, I, and presumably answer uh, some of our questions that have been lingering for some time. Uh, it's something that we used to do a whole lot in this briefing room. It's something we haven't seen in quite some time, but uh, perhaps with the uh, departure of the White House Communications Director, Bill Shine, uh, who was not uh, very keen on these White House briefings. He, he, he thought they were not productive uh, for the President's news coverage. Uh, we saw the, the briefings almost grind to a complete halt. Uh, halt. Uh, yeah. And instead, we saw administration officials going out to the live cameras, uh, primarily to do live shots, exclusive live shots with Fox News, and then we would get these sort of crumbs as they go back inside the West Wing, uh, talking to reporters uh, heading back into the West Wing. But uh, hopefully we'll have more of these briefings and we'll get more answers out of the White House press office, something we just haven't had in quite some time, Brooke. No, we're, this is wonderful, and we welcome them. Um, Jim, thank yeah. you. Stand by for sure. me. Dan the president said that Democrats hate Jewish people, according to a, a recent report. We've also seen him tweet in the last... Uh, couple of days, the Democrats are the, quote, anti-Jewish party. Does the president really believe Democrats hate Jews? Look, the president's been an unwavering and committed ally to Israel and the Jewish people. 
And uh, frankly, the remarks that have been made by a number of Democrats and failed to be called out by Democrat leadership is frankly abhorrent and it's sad. And it's something that uh, should be called by name. It shouldn't be put in a watered down resolution. It should be done the way the Republicans did it when Steve King made terrible comments. We called it out by name. We stripped him of his committee memberships. And we'd like to see Democrats follow suit. But, but, but I ask, first of all, you mentioned Steve King. The president, correct me if I'm wrong, has not condemned Steve King. I, I what he said praising white supremacy. Has the president publicly come out and said anything? I speak on behalf of the president on a number of topics, and I've talked about that a number of times. And I'd refer you back to those comments where I used words like abhorrent uh, and unacceptable. Uh, just to, to get back to, to John and, and Hallie's question about uh, the president's comments uh, about Democrats and Jewish people, isn't that kind of rhetoric just sort of beneath everybody? And, and do you think that the president has thought at all uh, going into this 2020 campaign that the rhetoric just needs to be lowered, whether it's talking about Democrats, the media, immigrants, or should we just plan on hearing the president use the same kind of language that we heard in 2016 and all through the first couple of years of this administration? Uh, look, I, I think that the real uh, shame in all of this is that Democrats are perfectly capable of coming together and agreeing on the fact that they're comfortable ripping babies straight from a mother's womb or killing a baby after birth, but they have a hard time condemning the type of comments from Congresswoman Omar. Uh, I think that is a great shame. The president has been clear on what his position is, certainly what his support is for the people and the community of Israel. Um, and beyond that, I don't have anything further for you. Jim. that just sort of drags down the rhetoric in the debate when you're, you're saying something that's just Patently untrue. I mean, obviously, stating their policy de positions. But, but is not Democrats don't. But untrue. Democrats don't hate Jewish people. It's just silly. It's not true. I think so, they should call out their members by name, and we've made that clear. I don't have anything further. Yeah, yeah. April. President, yeah. but President, you know, Sorry, he, he, April his rhetoric after Charlottesville, saying that there are very fine people on both sides in Charlottesville, essentially suggesting that there are very fine people in the Nazis. Uh, that's not at all you know, what the president was stating. Well, not, but, not then, but, not, not at any point. The president has been incredibly clear and consistently and repeatedly condemned hatred, bigotry, racism in all of its forms, whether it's in America or anywhere else. And to say otherwise is simply untrue. I know I put the media in the violent left section, but I see them as their PR firm. I mean, they just really are. I mean, that was CNN. White people are dying and so are their votes. Did we already hear that? Isn't that why Hillary was going to win? Because all this white people don't exist anymore. We've been voted out by minorities and illegals. And then Jim Acosta totally going back bad. Now, I'm not saying all liberals hate Jews, but their little bill they passed or their fucking statement was pretty much excluding a serious anti-Semite amongst the ranks, and they didn't have a problem with it. I mean, they didn't have a problem with it. They were fine with it. They went after white supremacists. That's what they wanted to do. And that's what Obama co Clinton Co., LBJ Co., that would have been what they would have said. But you can't play politics when you're conservative. You can't stretch the truth because the media is part of the Democratic Party. I mean, that's why they didn't have the briefings. The briefings just turn into SJW nonsense for Jim Acosta, John Carl, and all these other fuckers to get up there and play liberals. That's what they do. PBS Yamachi Alcinder. 
Does Trump really believe Dems are anti-Jewish? Sarah Sanders, the president's been a committed ally to Israel. He is disappointed at Dems' failure to call out remarks by their members. Note, Dems called out Omar and passed legislation to condemn anti-Semitism. The entire world said to her, no, no, they didn't. They did not do that. It was buried. Now this. Trump's former defense secretary made the same critique of U.S. They tried to come up with Mattis said something. And then Chuck Todd ran his goddamn trap. The kind of anti-Semitism that you're seeing now from Ilan Omar and that has been supported by her colleagues is a kind of anti-Semitism that really has the ability to creep in and become normalized in our discourse. And we have an absolute obligation not to let that happen. Well, there's actually an anti-Semitism that has creeped into our discourse. Look at George Soros, okay? The Republican and conservative attacks on George Soros over the years. In fact, Kevin McCarthy had a poll one tweet that implied that he was essentially trying to buy this or buy that. That's gotten mainstreamed in ways for years to the point where George Soros had a had some guy was trying to pipe bomb him. Um, this what about is a can no, I just no, say no. a congresswoman? Yeah, this no, what about is where everybody is yeah. that everybody tries no, to point Chuck, to the I'm other gonna, side. Chuck, Chuck, and, it, and, and it's there, getting the what aboutism uh, absolutely should not go on. And everyone, including Leader McCarthy, has stood up absolutely firmly to condemn anti-Semitism. The, the the thing that people need to be focused on here, though, is that the Democrats in the House of Representatives and even some of the the Democrats themselves are uh, completely uh, frustrated with the fact that the leadership is they, they are protecting her. You know, this isn't just being silent. They are protecting her by failing to put a resolution on the floor that names her and that strips her of her committee assignment. Instead, they put a resolution on the floor which she then went out and ye- and said, this is a tremendous victory for me. Now, if, if we are not going to be in a position where you say the kind of language that she has said again and again and again is absolutely unacceptable and has no place in our discourse, then, then those people who won't condemn it are enabling it. This whataboutism as Todd whataboutism. And Soros is an evil fuck that they protect. They're using Soros as an example. A guy who's been kicked out of most of Europe because he's trying to fucking overthrow governments. He's extremer than the Koch brothers, but we knew the Koch brothers. These fucking people are anti-Semites. You know it. I know it. Nancy Pelosi knows it. Need more proof? Here's uh, uh, Tulsi Gabbard. Directly asked, won't do it, Talib. It's really about the Islamophobia that's in all the parties. Omar, Trump's not human. And the last one you're going to hear is Hoden Hassan. Minnesota has been conquered. Meet Hoden Hassan, a newly elected Democratic member of the Minnesota House of Representatives. She's super extreme after Leon Omar to be elected to the state legislator. Hassan described how Muslims are the victims of 9-11. After your fellow Democratic Congresswoman Ilan Omar suggested that support for Israel in Congress is, quote, all about the Benjamins, and criticized lawmakers just this past week for supporting Israel as potentially having, quote, allegiance to a foreign country. What do you think about these statements, and do you think this is anti-Semitic? Well, let's look at the bigger issue here. The bigger issue is, uh, there's a couple, actually, of, of making sure that as members of Congress and as people in this country, we can have open dialogue about our foreign policy. Um, you know, as, as our uh, criticisms levied about uh, dual loyalty, again, as I mentioned in the last question, 
I've been on the, on the receiving end of those types of attacks. So I can understand um, how offensive they can be. Where just because I am a Hindu, people assume that therefore I must be loyal to some other interest or but, some other place. But what, but what about these specific statements? You're talking broadly. These specific statements, were they anti-Semitic? Uh, there are people who have expressed their offense at these statements. I think that what Congresswoman Omar was trying to get at was a deeper issue related to our foreign policy. And I think there's an important discussion that we have to be able to have openly, even though we may end up disagreeing at the end of it, that we've got to be able to have that openness to have the conversation. But you're not willing to go as far what as I'm saying, saying anti-Semitic. Is, is what she was trying to bring up was, so, I, was something that was, was a deeper issue. Okay. And I don't believe that, she, that her intent was to, to cause any offense to anyone. Representative Omar, why do you think people in your own party reacted so strongly against what she said? You know, I'm trying to figure it out. It's just this past week, I feel and I know this would be somewhat shocking for some, but I think Islamophobia is very much among the Democratic Party as well as the Republican Party. And I know that's hard for people to hear, but there's only been four members of Congress that are of Muslim faith. Three of them currently serve in this institution. More of us need to get elected, but more of us need to understand as we come into this, this institution that I have a lot of work to do with my colleagues. So you think Democrats have some Islamophobia and that's at the root of some of this consternation? I think our country is struggling with it. Quick question. Can you set the record straight when it comes to the political interview? I just want to get to your side of the story. Do you believe that Trump and Obama are the same, just different when it comes to their policies? We understand that you refute this political story. Could you just set the record straight so we get your side of it? Do you think that President Obama is the same as President Absolutely Trump? not. That is silly to even think and equate the two. One is human, the other is... Is it true that you just think that he's more polished than Trump? But 9-11 has um, opened a new experience a new eye-opening for me and the people that live in this country that call themselves Muslims, for we have um, experienced money prejudice against us. The U.S. has changed after 9-11. Um, there's been money policies that has been created uh, after 9-11, such as you were, um, you know, subject to um, second screening when you were at the airport or, um, you know, they, they, anybody can pick on you when you're at the airport because your last name is Mohammed or Hassan. Uh, lucky me, my last name is Hassan. Um, so uh, a lot of ch things have changed, whether it's schools, uh, whether it's laws, whether it's, um, you know, everyday experience. And uh, we live to experience that. It's, it has been a lot of negative experience. But there's also positive experience, too. There are people who are fighting against that. There are people who are fighting against Islamophobia, which um, started after 9-11, which still continues and to be a problematic for the people that live in this country. For me personally, um, the biggest news event that changed my view of America was 9-11. Um, I remember I was actually sleeping when uh, the World Trade Center was bombed, and I get a call, a phone call from my mother saying that, you know, there has been... Um, a bombing at the World Trade Center, 
and everything from that on has changed. You know, there has been, it has been an eye-opening. You have to look at TV every day and see, you know, there has been a Muslim country that has, you know, it's experiencing problems. There has been a Muslim uh, person that has been detained. Uh, there's a Muslim person that has been, you know, targeted because of, you know, uh, Islamophobia. So everything has changed for the people um, that live in the United States. Luckily, we live in Minnesota, and Minnesota, they say Minnesota nice. So that comes into play. So a lot of incidents, you know, don't happen in Minnesota. And there is a large, uh, a very large Muslim community in Minnesota. Need more proof? Bernie Sanders' presidential campaign posted a, a spokesperson for Bernie Sanders' presidential campaign posted an anti-Semitic conspiracy theory on her Facebook account, stating that the American Jewish community has a dual allegiance to the state of Israel. She had to remove it. Omar's words string at home, threatening to strain ties of Jewish and Somalian Minnesotans. She can solve this problem if she wants to, Jamel said. This is up to Ilian Omar. She has really spoken in a very dangerous way. It's going to be up to her to reach out to people and fix this. Whole article. This is in the Minnesota something or other. They even had an Assyrian woman. I'm not going to play it. She comes on and she just lays it out. In fact, I'm going to play it. Here's an Assyrian woman speaking about Omar. There and even moderate Muslims lived until Sharia law took place and everyone was affected. This is a threat to all Americans, and Americans truly need to understand that this will affect you one day if you don't make a change right now. People like myself who have known and know what it is about to witness a genocide and seen how the signs of genocide actually start. I am demanding for your resignation, Ilhan, so that people like you never attack the real victims of genocide and the descendants of genocide. On March 14, 2016, Congress passed by a historic undivided 393 votes to zero House Continuing Resolution 75, recognizing the ongoing genocide of Christians and other religious minorities under ISIS as Ilhan's 5th district was the terrorist recruitment capital of the country. How did Americans vote her in? I'm not sure. My question to Congress is, why did you all sign unanimously? Why did you all sign to protect us from a genocide when some of you are supporting representatives like Ilhan Omar right here on our American soil and showing compassion for terrorists who were caught in her district? If my own brother is caught as a terrorist, I will put him in jail. Let alone you are catching terrorists in your own district and you're asking the judge for a lighter sentence. What happened to my people in Iraq and Syria cannot be reversed unless a state is given to them. But we are here because of God to give you a warning as Americans. We are here to tell you this is coming here and it is here and it will affect you. It will affect everyone. It will even affect the moderate Muslims in America. You will see your daughters get beheaded. Okay, I interviewed 
hundreds and hundreds of families of all religions, everyone that was affected by the genocide in Iraq, and they watched family members get executed right in front of them, and that's when reality hit them and they knew it was too late and that Sharia law had taken full control of that country, the cradle of civilization. I got a lot of more. Ashley Ray Goldberg has the awesome Twitter handle, Communist Kills, and we apologize for missing her story last week about Representative Rashida Tlaib following an account on Instagram that repeatedly depicts Jews as rats and vampires. The real plague, a rat with an Israeli, uh, a Jewish star on it. Uh, fucking the Prime Minister over-the-top of uh, saved Palestinian kids, blood on his mouth, the kid grimacing after some kind of explosion. It's a doctored Photoshop, and there's a Jewish star on, on his forehead. Uh, Jews, Mossad, or the terrorist. They did 9-11 signs were on this Facebook page. Of course 9-11 was good for Israel. That's why we did it. Showing the Twin Towers, saying that Israel did it. My exclusive on Rashid Tlaib, you know how we're talking about anti-Semitism in the Democratic Party lately? Check out the images posted by an Instagram account. Rashida Tlaib followed, sorry, I thought it was Facebook, from her official Instagram page. My story and more posts here. You mean the same Rashida Tlaib who posed for a photo at her private swearing-in dinner with a man who tweeted that Israel does not have a right to exist and the terrorist entity is illegal and has no basis to exist other than a delusional ISIS-like ideology? Goldberg writes, Rashida Tlaib, who made news for being the first Palestinian Muslim woman elected to U.S. Congress, follows an Instagram account that routinely shares blatantly anti-Semitic posts and 9-11 conspiracy theories. The account Tlaib follows shares posts comparing Jews to vermin and Hitler, post asserting Jews wield an enormous amount of power, and post claiming Israel did 9 11 and supports ISIS. The account shared Nazi inspired propaganda in July 2014, similar to how the Nazis compared Jews to rats to free Palestine. 1948 account shared an image of a rat inside the Israeli flag and called the rat the real plague. When confronted about the anti Semitic imagery, the account responded, Ha ha, make me laugh, fuck you, and fuck Israel, you wank will never like the truth. Just like Omar, Tlaib certainly seems apologetic. Rashida Tlaib's office told me that they have no comment. Her office could have said she was sorry or it was an accident or she doesn't follow her social media pages that often. Instead, they said they had no comment on the matter. I-C-Y-M-I, here are some of the pics the account posted. This isn't mere anti-Zionism or anti-Israel sentiment. Some of these points are very recent. She unfollowed when the story break, but the mainstream media never carried it. Yeah, it's, it's, they're, it, it's the left. Another case, even more anti-Semitism in Crown Heights, Brooklyn today, as a black man walks towards an Orthodox Jew's woman and kicks her stroller with two kids inside. The care video we played last podcast. Dear Speaker Pelosi, I'm a journalist in 2002, militant slayed Danny Pearl after my pal left home, my home in Karachi. His last words, I'm a Jew. Last week I reported on CARE and Linda Sassar lobbying for Ilhan Omar. Here's what happened in CARE, via CARE footage. World, what do you see? 
blowing the video from the angle of my phone and my video, you can hear Linda Sassar order her care affiliate aides as well as their taunting. In the care video, you can see their clearly aggressive body blocking from any angle. It's wrong. Yashimi Mohammed. Translation of what Sassar had said, don't let her be one of the first ones in. Do you all hear me? Speaking to the woman. Come stand here. Don't let her be one of the first ones in. Getting her thugs to do her bidding in a U.S. Congress. Thank you for exposing this, Syria. Terrifying. I see Linda Sassar instructed others to block you and let her followers get in first. I noticed Cares Mongi Dohadi and a woman with a yellow jacket blocked and shoved you from Tlaib's office. Dear Speaker Pelosi, these despicable acts should not become normal under your leadership. But they are. This is totally what the left is. They have capitulated to the far, far left. Far, far left. It's irrefutable evidence. But Chuck Todd, Chris Cuomo, Don Lemon, our mainstream media just ignore it. And they make Soros like a hero. An evil man kicked out of Europe. He's a hero. Oh, he's not the Koch brothers. To guns. Democratic Party leader in Maryland is facing criticism for last month posting on Facebook a call to dox gun rights activists. That sounds bad. Not the worst thing we have. Woman reportedly booted from gun hearing after threatening to shoot lawmaker. If I had a gun, I'd blow away Samson and a large group of the NRA. You actually see the picture. Not to be outdone, Jeremy Steen, executive director of Connecticut against gun violence, being escorted out of a public hearing by Capitol Police for smuggling a firearm receiver into the hearing. To the illegals. House votes in favor of illegal immigrants voting. We talked about it. John Lewis. All these people are all for it. CNN. More than 2,000 people in immigration and custom enforcement custody are being quarantined amid an outbreak of mumps and other diseases. This is a neo-Nazi death camp. Genocide repeated with me filthy megas. I'm a supporter of genocide on U.S. soil. Wouldn't be surprised if ICE agents were giving them infected blankets. The story, more than 2,000 people in immigration, and those are tweets from actual lefties. More than 2,000 people in immigration and custom custody are being quarantined amid an outbreak of mumps and other diseases. The number of immigrants in custody with a contagious disease has spiked in the last year. For the previous two years, the agency has not encountered a single case of mumps among its detainees. As of March 7, 2019, there's a total of 2,287 detainees cohorted for exposure to a detainee with a contagious condition. In the past 12 months, there have been health investigations at 51 ICE detention facilities for mumps, chickenpox, influenza. There have been 236 reported cases of mumps with another 16 suspected cases during this time period. Simultaneously, the CDC reports 228 measles cases in 12 states because of catch and release. The media is spinning anti-vaxxers. How are these diseases getting exposed to us? 
Well, we let people from the third world who don't do vaccines come into liberal states because they all want them for their voter rolls. And you have a bunch of anti-vaxxing left people and their kids get mumps, measles, smallpox, shit we don't have in America. But, you know, you're a fucking piece of shit xenophobe if you just don't want everybody to come in. Other stats. More than half the illegal immigrants arrested at the U.S.-Canada border are Mexican. 4,316 non-citizens were arrested. 2,245 are Mexicans. They went to Canada to get into the country, so they had to go through the border. And meet Carlos Eduardo Arvelo Carzana Heleu is 75 names. 24-year-old illegal immigrant and self-admitted gang member with a lengthy criminal history who was ordered detained by ICE nine times after previous arrests and convictions before his latest arrest for murder. He stabbed Bamdi Larson to death, but he was released. They didn't work with it. It was a sanctuary. There you go. Abortion. They are real. Meet born alive abortion survivors. This article has eight different people botched abortion and they're living. I'm not going to read their stories. I'm just going to say there it is. I will read this one. This is given to me by my better half. It was the head of my baby. Eight unbelievable heart rendering quotes from women who aborted their babies. Lori. Nerad, former national president of women, women exploited by abortion. Two weeks after the abortion, I went into labor. I stayed in the bathroom, and there with my husband beside me, I delivered a part of my baby the doctor had missed. It was the head of the baby. I will wake up in the middle of the night thinking I hear a baby crying. I still have nightmares in which I am forced to watch my baby being ripped apart in front of me. I simply miss my baby. I constantly wake up wanting to nurse my child, wanting to hold my child, and that's something the doctor never told me I would experience. Abby Johnson. One day in my car, my daughter, out of nowhere, asked if someday she would be able to see her sibling in heaven. I asked her what she meant, honestly hoping that she was not talking about my own two abortions. She said that she knew I had two abortions, and she wanted to know if she'd ever be able to meet those babies. In my heart, I miss them, she said. That's the thing about Abby Johnson. Two abortions, worked at PPFA, she's pro-life, but she's still condemned as a person that's lying. Hmm. Ashley Granger, wife, mother, sonography student. Now that my son is four, I sometimes look at his sweet face and wonder what features my other child would have. I still have dreams about holding him or her and making me so deeply sad to think that I have robbed my son of a sibling. I'm just paraphrasing these because they're fucking gut-wrenching. Katrina Fernandez, Catholic humor writer at Pathios. I killed two of my children while my parents and grandchildren and murdered my son's siblings. These abortions directly caused a medical condition known as incompetent cervix, which resulted in premature birth of another son who died after a week-long struggle in NICU. The suffering I've endured and caused others is immeasurable, and the guilt almost drove me to suicide. Eddie Morfote. Ross like to tell me that Annie is our son's guardian angel, but the idea scares me. Do I want my son's protector to be someone who mother gave her up, ended her existence prematurely? She must be so mad, disappointed, and hurt, so I keep her ultrasound image, along with a hallmark, it's a car, girl card, that my best friend sent, along with a Christmas tree ornament engraved with Annie's due date, which my parents gave me the week I found out I was pregnant, locked in away a closet, far from my son's eyes. 
I flushed my baby in the toilet and it was horrifying and it didn't help me to graduate. It's been 19 years to this day and I don't have a degree. And it goes on and on. I can't read anymore. It's fucking horrible. The part of abortion nobody talks about. But this week, California bill will require Planned Parenthood phone number to be added to student IDs. Assembly Bill 624. Student IDs. But we had one victory this week. Pro-life, Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals says Ohio can defund Planned Parenthood if they want to. And that is a beautiful sight for other states who, too, do not want to give money to that abortion clinic. Had to take a swig. Here we go into the, the fucking hate. You didn't hear this in the mainstream media. WAPO didn't cover it. Police arrest transgender woman in Brock's pepper spray links to more hate crimes being investigated. Police on Saturday arrested a transgender woman. They say attacked a white couple in Bronx and may have been behind a series of attacks in Upper Manhattan as well. Investigators say the transgender suspect who is black confronted a couple on East 187th Street near Caronta Avenue in the Bronx. The attacker allegedly approached the couple and asked the woman if she had was white before pepper spraying her. The couple was too afraid to show their faces on camera, but tearfully described what happened in an exclusive interview. She pepper sprayed me. I couldn't see anything, the woman said. It really sucked because I knew it was a hate crime. The man said she tried to approach the suspect but backed off when she pulled a knife. Moments later, they helped lead police to 37-year-old Thomas Hurd, who was taken to St. Barbara's Hospital, where she is set, he is set to undergo a mental evaluation before facing charges. Investigators are now looking into whether Hurd is the same person wanted in a string of suspected hate crimes in Manhattan. Multiple people, all whom are white, were sprayed with an unknown chemical substance substance near subway stations in Harlem and Upper West Side. Police say the first incident happened in a downtown platform of the second and third trains at 125th Street in Lenox. The suspect allegedly sprayed five people while walking westbound, each time saying, I fucking hate white people, left out of the article. Yeah. And then we have another mega attack. Dana Loesch covers it pretty well. It's a fucking hat. But this was a fucking bus driver attacking a kid. Take that truck. Boy, if you don't take that hat off on this bus, take it off. What? Take that hat off. What? Take the hat off. Now. Wait, what? Take, I can't wear a hat? No, take that hat off. Take it off now. Put it in your backpack. Take it off. Take it off. Take it off. Already? Donna. Do you want a referral? Take it off. I do. Take that hat off. Turn around and mind y'all business. I'm in trouble for that? Yes, you are. Are you kidding me? Yes. Here, put that in your backpack. Don't put that hat back on. for a hat day at school. To show my pride in Trump America. 14-year-old Gunnar Johansson boarded his school bus to Hidden Oaks Middle School earlier this week. Immediately I heard the bus aide tell me to, you know, knock that off, take that hat off. Take that truck. Boy, if you don't take that hat off on this bus, take it off. I was really confused. I was like, I can't wear this. I can't wear a hat. No, take that hat off. 
Take it off now. Put it in your backpack. She like threatened me with the referral. She threatened to turn the bus around. You know, I said, write me up. I, I didn't do anything wrong. And then she yanked my hat off. It was crazy. Take it off. So we were able to confirm that the, the hat was removed from the from the child. Gunner following her orders, keeping the hat off for the remainder of the ride, while other students on the bus also wearing different hats weren't told to remove them. Gunner's brother and other students started texting Gunner's mom, Jackie Putt. So I immediately went to the school. There were no school policies saying students couldn't wear something political. That's why Putt wanted answers and to see the video. And she pulled it off like that. What were you feeling when that happened? I was feeling like violated. I didn't. It was crazy. I couldn't put together why she would do that. Like I understand that she has different political views, but there's no right to do that. Every podcast, twice a fucking week, we have an attack. The media does not cover it because it's the opposite in their world. It's mega people attacking poor black people or gay people or fucking immigrants. If it isn't such an issue. Why is there this? Yelp for Trump supporters highlights mega-friendly restaurants. At a time where the White House employees are sometimes chased out of restaurants, a new Yelp-inspired smartphone app designed specifically for Trump supporters is highlighting which establishments are on board with mega-agenda. According to the Daily Beast, the app's 63rd Safe provides people a list of Trump-friendly restaurants in the area where they can hang their mega-hats without fear of being chased out or being asked to leave. I tried to get it. It's for iPhones only because I just wanted to see in my area if there was any. Not that I have a mega hat, nor I'd wear it. What the fuck, folks? Media doesn't cover that. Media doesn't cover the multiple transgender attacks. Media doesn't cover the black people beating up on Jews in fucking New York. The left is out of control. The left is being promoted by the media and what does that say well we're gonna get more of this time for our three idiotos i'm lucky day i'm the Netherlander. i'm dusty bottoms so together we're the three amigos <coughs> thanks so much for joining us let's get right uh, to a key question do you believe president trump has committed impeachable offenses do you believe Uh, If proven, that would be an impeachable offense. Do you believe uh, President Trump has committed impeachable offenses? Which impeachable offenses? Is it time to begin impeachment, impeachment, impeachment proceedings? That certainly does sound not only like a threat, but like witness intimidation. But what do you think? At least 16 Trump associates, and you can see them up on the screen, had at least some sort of contact with Russians. How do you explain that? Is this evidence of collusion? Explain why it would be wrong, maybe even illegal. Do you believe a pardon of Manafort by the president would be an admission of guilt? Do you believe that would be a smoking gun? Do you see this as possible obstruction of justice? Do you believe that would be an abuse of uh, of his power, do you view that as witness tampering? What does that very narrow denial from the White House now say to you? Do you buy that explanation? Do you believe that people could take the president's vitriol uh, as a as a call to arms? Is that appropriate for a president? You think the president's telling the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? Oh, that's a bumper coming. I just got to get her to say Omar Talib, AOC. That soundbite was a situation room. All right, it's a week-long promo for the Dem investigation. It seems like 
the show has uh, looked at 10 interviews Blitzer conducted with lawmakers, all Democrat, to a show during the week spanning Monday, March 3rd to the 8th. Throughout these 10 interviews, the CNN has asked only three questions to suggest the numerous White House investigations into the president might be partisan. There are 86 investigative-related questions pushing the investigations. And I thought that was pretty apropos. Now, I remember in the Wayback Machine, when we used to call these kind of investigations under Obama or Clinton or shit anybody but fucking conservatives, what was the word? Witch hunts. I read a headline yesterday that said Republicans see blood in the water, that they see a president who's very vulnerable politically. Is there a danger that they will overreach? There is. I mean, that's what happened to to Republicans in 1998 with Bill Clinton. And if all of Congress is focusing on hearings to do scandals, the voters will punish them. They've done it in the past. All right, Chuck Todd, more to come on this. You know, the one thing that's been a common theme throughout this first six months has been distractions. Uh, the ways in which pure politics has driven what ends up happening. So let's talk about this a little bit. Mm -hmm. Sue, on the Hill, we've spent more time talking about the IRS Mm -hmm. and Benghazi and and the NSA and and privacy and and tapping or gathering information from our phones than almost anything else. And now, is that just because it's, it's more interesting to talk about a distraction than to try to get policy done? Well, I do think in, in, particularly in the IRS case, there was just such a sense of public outrage to right. what we had initially learned and what the IRS was doing. I mean, the amazing thing is, is that she does not even have to talk about a vast right-wing conspiracy and have people make fun of her for it because they're doing it on their own. I mean, for a party whose members don't believe in assisted suicide, they're doing a pretty good impression of it. They look ridiculous now with with a, their majority leader and a, and a, another Republican member and a former staffer saying that this is basically... Isn't it great? You know, great. The Democrats <laughs> do have that. The tape is great, isn't it? Oh, great. Once it exists, I mean, uh, you know, Kevin McCarthy will always have that tape. As long as he lives, yeah, right. that tape will be sitting somewhere out in the somewhere between here and Mars, somewhere right. be retrievable, and it'll always say this thing was political. And now, the IRS is being used in exactly the same way as they tried to use the president's birth certificate, despite the complete lack of any evidence linking the president to the targeting of Tea Party groups. Republicans are using it as their latest weapon in the war against the black man in the White House. But as for the, the need for the select committee, um, they're, they're just, I, I, you know, I'll hear from Republicans that say, but, but there are unanswered questions. Well, no, all the questions have been answered. There's just some people that don't like the answer. We have the uh, committee, the Benghazi committee, this week. Well, she's going to murder them because it has been a witch hunt. It has been partisan. It's a great opportunity for her. A lot of Chucky Todd that. You notice that? Well, this week, a huge thing has happened, of course. Manafort's gotten basically eight years. He's going to die in prison, but they're still pissed off about it. But Nancy Pelosi broke the fucking fourth wall. Pelosi comes out against impeaching Trump. It's not for impeachment. Impeachment is so divisive to the country that unless there's something so compelling and overwhelming and bipartisan, I don't think we should go down that path because it divides the country. Prashid J. Shakar. I mean, you wouldn't have to be a complete idiot to impeach Trump going into election year. Pelosi is many things, but she's not a political 
idiot. Glenn Greenwald thrashes them. If Trump is literally controlled by Putin to the point where Trump is forced to act in the best interest of Russia at the expense of the U.S., which has been the prevailing claim not of Dem fringe but in the mainstream and the media, how can it be morally justified not to impeach him? Obama CAA director John Brennan proclaimed Trump guilty not just of ordinary crimes but treason, the penalty for which is death. There was barely any dissent from Dems. How can anyone justify Pelosi's desire to leave a traitor in power for two years? It is possible that Putin is something on Pelosi, or perhaps Democrat politicians and their media allies have been knowing feeding the party base a cable viewer's unadulterated, deranged, unhinged bullshit that they now can't carry through on with the power in their hands because it was all self-serving, manipulative dreck. Anyone who has ever believed Trump is controlled and blackmailed by Putin to the point that Putin makes Trump treasonously sacrifice American interests for Russia, and there's a lot of you, should be marching in fury in the streets over Pelosi's refusal to impeach Trump. Oh, the outrage machine came out because she said it. And yes, you will hear media members outraged. I don't agree. You know, I think that um, the House has to do its job regardless if it doesn't go anywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, you know, we we all know that when you impeach a president, the House votes to impeach, but then the trial is held by the Senate. And because the House is run by Democrats, the House would likely impeach if they find high crimes and misdemeanors. The Senate would never convict him. Not at this point. At this point. I don't think at any point, honestly, because I think it's so partisan right now. So the Republicans are in charge of the Senate. It will go nowhere. But that doesn't mean that the House shouldn't do its job and make sure that the, the, the that the people of the United States feel confident that at least okay. one you know, there's one way for the there's one way. I think what she's saying is we are not going to impeach Donald Trump over paying hush money to a stripper. Now, mm-hmm. if we find out that he's compromised by Russia, that he's a Russian asset, I assure you that falls under the something compelling and overwhelming. And high right. crimes and misdemeanors. High crimes and misdemeanors. Right. Yeah, but to exactly. Sonny's point, will the Republicans even go for it then? I don't know. They but keep they good keep, And that's the thing, you know, do you get a president out by voting? Of course, that's part of our process, but the Constitution is also very much so a part of our process, and the Founding Fathers wanted to make sure that we were protected as the American people against things like high crimes and misdemeanors. Will you be and satisfied, Sonny, if Mueller comes out and there isn't a direct link between Trump and Russia and the collusion? I will be satisfied when the process works the way the process is supposed to work. So whether that be the Mueller report, whether that be the Southern, um, District. the Southern District of New York, whether that be the constitutional process, I am a believer in the Constitution. I am a believer in law. I am a believer in justice. And I am a believer in process and the American people. Okay. And, and the big topic, of course, Terry, collusion. The president said there was no collusion. There was no collusion. There are hints that that's certainly what Mueller may have been looking at. How big a deal is it if they don't find collusion for the president? Huge. He's cleared if Robert Mueller comes back. Mueller became a folk hero in the United States. Robert De Niro. Even if he finds all sorts of things. Sure. No, but the central and most serious question uh, in this investigation, the reason Robert Mueller started it, is did the current president of the United States assist the Kremlin in an attack on our democracy? And if Mueller, after two years, comes back and says, I don't have the evidence to support that charge, that's a reckoning. That's a reckoning for progressives and Democrats who hoped that Mueller would essentially erase the 2016 election. It's a reckoning for the media. It's a reckoning uh, around the country if, in fact, after all this time, there was no collusion.
Pierre? Well, the fact is, if you look at all the charges so far, no one Mueller has charged so far has been charged with directly conspiring with the Russians. That's a fact. But the Mueller report is shrouded in secrecy. There's just a lot we don't know. And there are certain facts that Mueller has hinted to throughout the case, like the fact that Paul Manafort allegedly gave polling data to a suspected Russian intelligence officer. Roger Stone, a confidant of the president, communicating with one of the Russian hackers. So, again, stay tuned. We have to see what the report says. And, and, and Terry, even if, if there's nothing there, the Hill will start several investigations into all kinds of things. That's right. There are certainly other investigations about the Trump businesses, about, about Trump Tower Moscow, which, which uh, may draw the interest of prosecutors and congressional investigators. And certainly these issues need to be brought to light. And how about the attention of the American public? If, if the Mueller... That's, that's a question. It is a question. In fact, it, Democrats have to worry that they don't look like they're just throwing anything against the wall that'll, and hope it'll stick and get back to the old kind of politics. If they want to beat Donald Trump, beat him. Beat him on the issues. Beat him in politics. Don't, don't beat him uh, with investigation. It's always been that way. Schiff even said it. Schiff did. Then we find out that Schiff prepped fucking Cone for 10 hours. That broke this week. Media wasn't outraged. They didn't think that was a problem. It's the same thing they did with everybody else. And Lisa Page confirmed to me under oath that the FBI was ordered by the Obama DOJ not to consider charging Hillary Clinton for gross negligence in the handling of classified information. The Obama DOJ stopped the investigation. That is John Ratcliffe, Representative John Ratcliffe. It is going to go public. See, what I think about all this shit is they knew all along there was nothing there. It's more about Hillary and it was cover to fucking try to destroy Trump. And Mueller's already linked to them. There's nothing. There never was anything. We've spent two years. There's nothing there. That's why they're coming out. They don't have a choice. Which takes us to AOC. I'm going to play a quick soundbite that was compiled of her talking at South South by Southwest. But before I play it, I really want you to understand, I'm not going to play the sound bites. I don't think it's in this, of what she asked the banks. No, I did get it. I got it. So I'm going to play this one first. This was done by Tom Elliott. It is, it is perfect AOC. Like, like whatever, um, you know, it's like, you know, um, you know, you know, um, 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 like, like, um, like whatever, you know, and like, or whatever, like, just like, it's like, like, it's like this, like, 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 <laughs> well, don't, don't hold back. Tell me how you really feel about incrementalism <laughs> is like, like for what, you know, like, you know, like, you know, like, you know, things like that. Um, like, like, because we talk about racism so much, we actually aren't talking about race itself. It's just like, like, it's just like, you know, um, like, it's like, you know, and, and, and like, it's like, you know, it's like, because, um, you know, whatever, like, you know, it's like, like about like, um, it's like, you know, you know, um, in my opinion, um, you know, you know, it's just like, you know, like, you know, like, 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 you know, to like, and like, and, um, it's like, you know, like, like, it's like, it's like, um, uh, because like, like, you know, you know, you know, it's like, like, um, you know, um, 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 it's like, 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 so like, you know, like we are capable of so much than what we're doing right now. 
like and like like you know blah 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 you know like like you know like and i quote i think um um you know you know uh uh, you know, um, 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 uh, or like whatever, um, like, you know, we should be working the least amount we've ever worked. Um, you know, um, you know, you know, like, like, you know, like, you know, that's what I'm saying. Let's like have like, we're like, you have to like, to like, like, you know, um, um, cause I was like, um, you know, and it, I'm not allowed to say that I'm going to get in a lot of trouble when I go back to work. <laughs> you know, it's just, you know, um, um, this is amazing. Um, um, it, you know, about like, 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 so they're like, and, um, like actually like be like, like, you know, um, like, and, um, you know, you know, with like, you know what, like, oh. You missed AOC's Marathon 80-minute interview at South by Southwest? No worries. It compiled her biggest ideas in a short supercut. Over the course of wide-ranging 80-minute interview on South by Southwest on Saturday, the 29-year-old left-winger Lightning Rod let loose a litany of likes, you knows, and whatever. In between calling America garbage, capitalism irredeemable, the President Reagan was racist, AOC said like no fewer than 71 times, you know 34 times, whatever five times, and um, too many times for us to count. People want this woman to run for president. I'm not even going to read all her stupid shit. I'm just going to read this is her questioning of Wells Fargo. Madam Chair, I'd like to seek unanimous consent to submit three reports highlighting uh, the bank's role in debt financing these groups, the for-profit prison companies running ICE detention facilities. Without objection, such is the order. Um, Mr. Sloan, why was the bank involved in the caging of children and financing the caging of children to begin with? Uh, I I don't know how to answer that question because we weren't. Uh, so in finance, you you were financing and involved in debt financing of CoreCivic and Geo Group, correct? For a, for a period of time, we were involved in financing one of the firms. We're not anymore, and the other. I'm not familiar with the, the specific uh, assertion that you're making, but we weren't directly involved in that. Gentlewoman from New York, Ms. Ocasio-Cortez, is recognized for five minutes. Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, Mr. Sloan, earlier today you said that Wells Fargo does not put profits over people, correct? Uh, That's correct. I'm interested in the human rights abuses and environmental disasters that some say are financed by your bank, Wells Fargo. Uh, In a recent Guardian article by Crystal Tubles and Matt Remley, they stated, Wells Fargo has pursued profits without principles by investing in private prisons, for-profit immigration detention centers, loan shark-like payday lending, and holding much of the bond debt, strangling Puerto Rico's efforts to lift itself out of its financial crisis. Is it true that Wells Fargo has invested or financed in some of these industries? Um, We made a decision two years ago to uh, exit the two relationships that we had uh, with two public private or public prisons, private prisons firms. Uh, One has been exited, and then when the the credit agreement with the other one uh, uh, amortizes and, and matures, mm-hmm. uh, we, we will no longer have that relationship. Are those um, two companies, Geo Group and CoreCivic? Uh, correct. And which one has been exited, Geo Group or CoreCivic? I, I can't recall exactly which one. But, okay. Yep. Um, 
Uh, Madam Chair, I'd like to seek unanimous consent to submit three reports highlighting uh, the bank's role in debt financing these groups, the for-profit prison companies running ICE detention facilities. Without objection, such is the order. Um, Mr. Sloan, why was the bank involved in the caging of children and financing the caging of children to begin with? Uh, I, I don't know how to answer the, that question because we weren't. Uh, so in finance, you, you were financing and involved in debt financing, of course, Civic and Geo Group, correct? For a, for a period of time, we were involved in financing one of the firms. We're not anymore and the other. I'm not familiar with the, the specific uh, assertion that you're making, but we weren't directly involved in that. Okay. So these companies run um, private detention facilities run by ICE, which, uh, which is involved in, in caging children. But I'll, I'll move on. Uh, Mr. Sloan, uh, Wells Fargo was also an investor, a major investor in the Dakota Access Pipeline and the Keystone XL Pipelines. Uh, they were prime investors and lenders to companies building these pipelines in defiance of Standing Rock Sioux's treaty rights to protect its water and sacred lands. Uh, they warned early on, the Lakota Sioux warned early on that the pipeline was unstable and bound to leak. Despite that, it was built anyway, and it has leaked at least five times. And the Keystone XL in particular had one leak that uh, leaked 210,000 gallons across South Dakota. Uh, since Wells Fargo financed the building of this pipeline in an, un and in, in an in environmentally unstable way, uh, why shouldn't the bank be held responsible for financing the cleanup of the, of the disasters from these projects? Uh, which pipeline are you referring to? Um, either. You know, so we, we were not involved in the financing of the, X, of the XL pipeline. We were one of the 17 or 19 banks that was involved in the financing of the Dakota Access Pipeline. Okay, so, uh, so Wells Fargo hasn't financed any company associated with the Keystone XL Pipeline? No, I, I didn't okay. say that. I, oh. I said we're not involved in financing that pipeline specifically. Okay, so let's focus on the Dakota Access Pipeline. Uh, should Wells Fargo be held responsible for the damages incurred by climate change due to the financing of fossil fuels and, and these projects? I don't know how you'd calculate that, Congresswoman. Uh, say from spills or when we have to reinvest in infrastructure building seawalls from the uh, erosion of um, from the erosion of infrastructure or cleanups, wildfires, et cetera. Related to that pipeline, I'm not aware that there's been any of what you described that's mm -hmm. occurred related to that. How about um, the cleanups from the leaks of the Dakota Access Pipeline? I'm, I'm not aware of the, the leaks associated with the Dakota Access Pipeline. Uh, that you're describing. So hypothetically, if there was a leak from mm -hmm. the Dakota Access Pipeline, mm -hmm. uh, why shouldn't Wells Fargo pay for the cleanup of it if, since it paid for the construction of the pipeline itself? Because we don't operate the pipeline. We provide financing to the company that's operating the pipeline. Our responsibility is to ensure that at the time that we make that loan, that that, that customer, and we have a group of people in Wells Fargo, including an environmental oversight group headed by one of my colleagues who used to be at the EPA. Uh, so one question, why did Wells Fargo finance this pipeline when it was widely seen to be environmentally unstable? Uh, again, the reason that we were one of the 17 or 19 banks that financed that is because our team reviewed the environmental impact and we concluded that it was, it was a risk that we were willing to take. 
two things about this. A, she's not writing these questions because you actually watch the video. She's reading off a piece of fucking paper. And that shows how extreme her and her staff and all these people are. What the fuck kind of question is that? Because you finance people, you're culpable for what they do. I mean, who fucking thinks like that? Well, the far, far left. This is what they think. And it was discovered by this gentleman, and I, he's going to say his name. It's it's Reagan. It's a podcast. And I'm going to edit this down. It's 23 minutes long. But we'll find out that AOC was selected by this Justice Democrats because they needed a vessel, a Manchurian candidate, if you will, to push the far left's bullshit. The brains behind Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Mr. Reagan. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is not really the congresswoman of New York's 14th congressional district. She is essentially an actress. She's merely playing the part of a New York congresswoman. I know this sounds crazy, but bear with me. In 2017, a group called the Justice Democrats held auditions for potential congressional candidates that they would run on their platform for various congressional seats throughout the country. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's brother, Gabriel, submitted her for the role. Now, I've auditioned for many acting roles in my day. I've also cast many of my own projects. I know how this works. If you find somebody with star power, even if they don't 100% fit the part, you go with it. Obviously, AOC has star power. Just look at her. She's a superstar, the most famous person in Congress, maybe ever. Their casting was perfect. Now, I didn't have to go digging for evidence for this because they freely admit it. They brag about it. Back in 2016, we put out a call for nominations. We got over 10,000 nominations. Out of those 10,000 nominations, we found Alexandria. My brother told me that he had sent my nomination in the summer, but I was like literally working out of a restaurant. And I was like, there's no way. A casting call. They had a casting call. They cast Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez in the role of Congresswoman. And they did this so they could promote their own agenda. In this video, I'm going to make three very serious accusations against Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. One, she did not actually run for Congress. Two, she is a puppet Congresswoman. And three... The people controlling her are very dangerous. The first point I have already made, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez did not run. She was run. What I mean by that is Alexandria did not take it upon herself to run for Congress. She was used by this group, the Justice Democrats, as a figurehead through which they could gain control of New York's 14th Congressional District House seat. These guys not only scripted and produced AOC's beautiful campaign video, but they organized the entire grassroots campaign effort. They handled all the fundraising, the social media, the the get-out-the-vote effort. They turned Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez into a brand, and they used that brand to take control of that House seat. The people of New York did not elect a Puerto Rican girl from Brooklyn to represent them. They elected an Indian guy from Texas and a white guy from Tennessee. Now, let's move on to my second accusation. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is a puppet congresswoman. AOC does not make her own policy decisions. She does not decide which way she votes on legislation. She defers completely to her team. 
This is a serious claim, I know, but consider the following evidence. This is a video of Corbin Trent, one of Alexandria's top advisors, speaking with Zach Alexi, the Sololinsky-style strategy expert who organized much of AOC's campaign. Corbin Trent is now Alexandria's top congressional aide. And what's the stat that we were looking at earlier about... Uh, about how much people are making? Yeah, about, about low-income people and yeah. how big of a percent of our they society that is now. They make 40%. Uh, well, people that make... Uh, $19,999 a year or less. So people that make $20,000 a year or less uh, make up right around 40% of Americans, right? So it's- 40% of Americans make less less than 20,000. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like 60 million people make less than than $20,000 a year. 200 million Americans make less than $20,000 a year. That's 40% of this country. 40% of Americans make less than 20,000. That's 40% of this country. These guys are coaching her. They're scripting everything she says. You notice when she goes off script because she suddenly starts babbling incomprehensibly. The girl in this next clip is now the head of the Justice Democrats. Her name, Alexandra Rojas. Really, I think a big anchor piece is the Green New Deal and talking about it in a frame of social, racial, and economic justice and uh, a mobilization of our economy and our society at the scale of what we did during World War II. The Green New Deal, how is that going to be different? I think what we're calling for is a mobilization of our economy, of our society, on the scale that we haven't seen since World War II. Like, this is the war, this is our World War II. It's clear that AOC is being coached on absolutely every policy point she makes. And if this is not enough to give you pause, consider that the Green New Deal was drafted in one weekend by her staff. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez had zero to do with it. As far as I could find, she wasn't even in the room. Now, this is AOC's landmark legislation proposal. It essentially sums up her entire platform and lays out everything she wants to do in Congress. She didn't even participate in the drafting of the legislation. And again, these people aren't even trying to cover this up. They're proud of it. Again, AOC is a figurehead, a mouthpiece. The congressional seat is being operated behind the scenes. Old interviews show that the Justice Democrats initially declared that they wanted candidates of substance. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was a bartender. Now, who is more useful to an evil organization trying to take over Congress? A principled politician who happens to align with their views or a pawn? A malleable innocent who they can manipulate. Somebody completely ignorant of politics who must rely wholly on them to direct all her political positions, statements, and votes. AOC has had enough embarrassing gaffes to know that if she goes off script, it hurts. It can humiliate her. So she has become absolutely dependent on the instruction of her handlers. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez seems like, to anyone unfamiliar with her arrangement, like a bit of an enigma. Most of the time, she seems to bumble along with no apparent idea about what she's doing. But sometimes she says and does things that seem kind of brilliant. Let's play a lightning round game. I'm going to be the bad guy, which I'm sure half the room would agree with anyway. And, um, and I want to get away with as much bad things as possible, ideally to enrich myself and advance my interest 
even if that means putting, uh, putting my interests ahead of the American people. The limits that are placed on me as a Congresswoman compared to the executive branch and compared to, say, the President of the United States, would you say that Congress has the same sort of standard of accountability? Um, in terms of laws that apply to the president, mm-hmm. yeah, there's just almost no laws at all that apply to the president. So I'm being held, and every person in this body is being held to a higher ethical standard than the president of the United States. That's right, because there are some committee uh, ethics committee rules that apply to you. And it's already super legal, as we've seen, for me to be a pretty bad guy. So it's even easier for the president of the United States to be one, I would assume. That's right. Thank you very much. This is initially what got me thinking. Who's pulling the strings here? Who's the man behind the curtain? I went to CPAC last week, as some of you know, in Washington, D.C., and I met a lot of people in politics. Occasionally, uh, somebody would bring up AOC. I always took this opportunity to ask one question. Who's really running the show? Who's the brains behind Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez? One guy had an answer. He grabbed his phone, he pulled up a Politico article, and he shoved it into my hand. That's who, he said. The man behind the curtain is this guy, Saikat Chakrabarty. Saikat was AOC's campaign manager and is now her chief of staff. Saikat came out of Harvard and worked as an organizer for the Bernie Sanders campaign. This guy doesn't really have the charisma to run for office himself. He's a little awkward. He might have Asperger's or something like that. He kind of reminds me of Daniel Radcliffe, actually. But don't let his disarming awkwardness fool you. He's been an extremely effective political operative. He's got some terrifying political influences, and he's suspected of committing some severe campaign finance violations. But we'll get into all that later. Saikat Chakrabarty is a sinister character, and hearing more about him later will give you chills. But the man who hired him to head up the Justice Democrats will horrify you, if you can even believe it. The mastermind behind it all... Jank Uger of the Young Turks. Now, this may all sound completely nuts, like a big conspiracy theory, but the Justice Democrats was heavily promoted on the Young Turks. We have video evidence from the inception through into the campaigns. I think they have maxed out on incompetence. So that is why we must choose. Long podcast. You can find it. But literally, folks, she's a, she's a Manchurian candidate. She's just a Manchurian candidate. She's not a real people. Not a real people at all. She's just not. Some quick hits, and then we'll go to a music break and news and social media nuggets. Bernie Sanders released a video from 89 of him talking about climate cooling. I thought it was really funny. And then the USA Today did the same thing. Study finds race gap and air pollution. Whites cause it. Blacks, Hispanics breathe it. So are we saying that Black people don't use electricity? Isn't that racist as fuck? I mean, seriously? And then de Blasio is going to lead us out to our music break because this guy decided to go all in on his craziness. He's about to go, literally, New York City is careening closer to full, all-out financial bankruptcy because of mismanagement of its money. And one co-mayor wife have wasted $1.8 billion taxpayer money with opaque budget and elusive metrics 850 million thrive new york city program attempts a reset 773 millions later de blasio's end signature initiatives it goes on and on he's destroyed money but what's more important meatless meatless 
He literally is taking meat out of the schools. For decades, we told our kids to eat their vegetables. Now kids are making healthier choices for themselves and for our planet. That's why we brought Meatless Mondays to all 1,800 New York City schools. You can never find the left really having their eye on the ball. They have their eye on their base. So let's listen to de Blasio. Music break. News. Social media nuggets. I'm here at the cafeteria PS 130 in Brooklyn with these amazing kids. And I was spending time with fourth graders, seventh graders, and they are passionate about wanting to make sure they are healthy and the earth is healthy. And they believe in Meatless Mondays. And I want you to know why we're going to do it for the whole school system because we need our kids to be healthy and a more balanced diet. More vegetables, more fruits, more meatless options, good for everyone, good for the earth too. We know that we're going to have to do a lot to fight global warming. That includes looking at how our food is produced and choosing some other options, striking a better balance. That's what this is all about. And i got to tell you, when you're talking to a 10-year-old and they know this is good for their body and good for the earth, that proves we're going in the right direction. There's a lot of enthusiasm. Kids told me that the food tastes better. Now that they have these meatless options, you're getting a lot of great tasting food that they're excited to eat. They don't want to throw away or pass by. They actually want to eat their lunch. And as a parent, that is music to my ears. Always want our kids to eat their veggies. Now they're actually doing it. Enjoy. I got a million ways to get it. Choose one. Choose one. Hey, bring it back, bring it back. Now double your money and make it stack. I'm on to the next one. 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 Hold up. Niggas like how come? Niggas want my old shit. Buy my old album. Niggas stuck on stupid. I gotta keep it moving. Niggas make the same shit. Me, I make the blueprint. Came in the range. Hopped out the Lexus. Every year since. I've been on that next shit. Traded in a gold for the platinum Rolex. Now a nigga wrist match the status of my records. Used to rock a throwback, ballin' on the corner. Now I rock a telesuit, looking like a owner. No, I'm not a Jonas, brother, I'm a grown-up. No, I'm not a virgin, I use my cojones. I move on with the only direction. Can't be scared to fail, search of affection. Gotta keep it fresh, even when we sexin'. But don't be mad at him when it's on to the next one. Somebody bring me back the money, please. I got a million ways to get it. She was one. Hey, bring it back, bring it back. Now double your money and make it stack. I'm on to the next one. On to the next. I'm on to the next one. On to the next. I'm on to the next one. On to the next. I'm on to the next one. On to the next. Hold up. Welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast with Tony Reed. Man, this is 
This is our generation, man. All you people, we're all together, man. It's groovy. And dig yourselves, because it's really groovy. Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind. It's a whole new ballgame on campus these days, and they call it PC. PC? Politically correct. And it's not just politics, it's everything. It's what you eat, it's what you wear, and it's what you say. If you don't watch yourself, you can get in a buttload of trouble. For instance, right see these girls? Yeah. No, you don't. Those are women. You call them girls, and they'll pop your figs. Save the whales. Gays in the military now. Military corner. Mullah Omar lived his last years in the shadows of U.S. bases. Book claims. Actual interviews. This is a book by uh, Searching for an Enemy by Betty Dam, a Dutch journalist. And she interviewed people that were hiding him and everything. Uh, Afghan officials. He was not in Pakistan. He was right next to the military bases. Hiding the whole time. Unfucking believable. Air Force gets first upgraded Ghost Rider gunship. The Air Force received an upgraded version of its Ghost Rider gunship. The 4th Special Operations Squadron, 1st Special Operations Wing at Holbert Ford, Florida, received its first AC-130J Ghost Rider Block 30 gunship this week during a ceremony at Bob Sykes Airport in Crestview, Florida. The 4th Special Operations Squadron currently operate and maintain the AC-130U Spooky. The Block 30 model marks a major improvement in software and avionics technology over the original Block 20. The Ghost Rider is the newest and most modernized gunship in existence, fulfilling the same mission set as the Spooky, but with upgraded avionics, navigation systems, and precision strike package that includes trainable 30mm and 105mm weapons. The first Block 30 model will remain in a testing-only status for a year before it can deploy. Along with the 105mm cannon, the U models support the AC-130J is equipped with a 30mm cannon, almost like a sniper rifle. It's the it's that precise it can pretty much hit first shot, first kill. The model achieved initial operation capability in September 2017. It's unbelievable. It's able to launch a 250-pound GPS or laser-guided small-diameter bomb. The aircraft is expected to carry AGM-114 Hellfires, all sorts of shit on its pylons. And it, oh my God, I've told stories on the show. Just literally, just literally sitting there in that valley, which I left yesterday, uh, 17 years ago. And listening to it just going boop, 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 boom, boop, 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 boom. And that should be landing all around you. My glint tape was always facing the sky. That's all I'm going to say. Next troop pay raise could be the largest since 2010. Military pay raises next year could be in the range of 3.1%, which is really good. Jaber's oldest canine retires after eight-year career. This Belgian Malmois was a bad motherfucker. He fucked people up. And he is now going to retire. I hope he gets some good kibbles and bits. First female fighter pilot advised Brie Larson for Captain Marvel. A St. Louis native and decorative Air Force pilot worked for the star of the superhero movie Captain Marvel to nail her fighter pilot authenticity. 
Brigadier General Jeannie Levitt, the first female fighter pilot in the Air Force, advised actress Brie Larson as the movie being shot. Captain Marvel was released nationally on Friday, blah, 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 blah. She talked to the number of our female fighter pilots and wanted to get the details correct. I really respect how seriously she took the role and how much she hates men. So we're going to hear a YouTuber going crazy about this, because that's how we lead in. And then we're going to hear a no children one. So I know it's kind of de-conflicting, but it's easier for um, editing purpose if I just roll right in with these two sound bites. So um, you're going to hear a Captain Marvel thing, which we'll get to later, but I want to play it up front. And a we don't have children soundbite, a new one from college campuses. Possibly the most fearsome battle in the culture war, Captain Marvel. Complete and utter disgrace to one side, a champion to feminism on the other. And I'm just sitting here like, what the hell is wrong with everybody? Now look, I felt like the marketing was bad. I think Brie Larson is divisive and unlikable. I also think Chris Evans and Mark Ruffalo are divisive and unlikable. The thing that separates their movies from this movie was they don't market the other Marvel movies as overtly political. They did with Captain Marvel. That worried me. Because Ghostbusters was bad, and it worried me because The Last Jedi was bad. I, I, have, I have been firm on my position that I'll go see it after the reviews come in, and I don't know which way I'm leaning, but what I will say from this point, like, I'm probably going to go see it later in the week, because uh, the, the reviews are like 6.5, and basically what I'm seeing from a lot of people is that it's just kind of mundane, and I'm like, alright, that's fine. Um, I, I don't hold it personally against Brie Larson. Like, I don't hold it personally against Chris Evans or Mark Ruffalo. If you want to be overtly political, fine. I understand how to separate art from the artist. But now we're seeing... Oh, my God. This, this, look, there are accusations of fake reviews on both sides. There are accusations of shills on both sides. It's like the most insane psychosis. But I will say this. The mainstream establishment will do everything in its power to protect itself. So if you genuinely don't like Brie Larson in the movie, tough luck. You're the outsider. They're the establishment. They're the investment. They want their money back, and they will do whatever it takes to get it. When it comes to the fake reviews, and yes, I pointed out my video yesterday, they're fake reviews. I don't know to what extent. I'm surprised to see that Rotten Tomatoes currently has Captain Marvel at like 51%. Because, uh, and that's, that's kind of on par with the Metacritic score, 6.5. It's not too far off. I, so they deleted 54,000 reviews. Apparently they said it was a bug showing the wrong number. And that's why I was like, okay, maybe this is a bug in my last video. But it would seem that even if there are fake reviews, they don't have that big of an impact. People really didn't like The Last Jedi. Solo did really bad following The Last Jedi. I didn't see Solo. I still haven't seen it. Because The Last Jedi was that bad. It really did have an impact. You have to recognize these movie reviewers are lying to you. Okay, They are lying to you because it's access journalism. You want to see the movie a week in advance? You better kiss ass. Because if they invite you and you write a bad review, you're not coming back in. But we've got a couple funny stories. Bloomberg, it's like all of these outlets defending the establishment and it's hilarious because like why is bloomberg writing an article like trolls targeted captain marvel but disney was ready for them film studios are taking a more aggressive approach to countering online criticism i kid you not they're actually saying they're countering online criticism holy what happened to this generation 
that they're surprised that people will criticize them. It's crazy. You know, I, I point this out all the time. I go on Twitter, I click my notifications, and what is it? Tim, you're an idiot. Tim, you're an idiot. Just over and over and over again. That, that's it. And I, I'm, I'm, I get it. <laughs> Whatever. Well, sure, I'm an idiot. But what is this? You, what are you doing? You fighting online criticism? Heavens, people don't like you. That's surprising. If you're a divisive and mean person and you inject that into the marketing for your film, don't be surprised if people don't like it. And not only that, there's this big YouTuber, I forget his name, he's got like 1.5 million subs. He did a review of the movie and he said, eh, it's a feminist movie. It was kind of mundane. And I'm like, I trust that guy. He's not, you know, overly political. And that's kind of my thing. Someone tweeted at me, sorry, Tim Cast, the movie was actually pretty good. And I'm like, okay. I didn't tell you not to see it. I've repeatedly said, if uh, if you're into it, like by all means, like I'm 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 happy for you. Seriously, my stance on everything from High Guardian, Spice, Wonder Woman, this Ghostbusters, whatever, is like, I'm, hey, if this is what you're into, I'm really happy you finally got a movie that speaks to you. Just I want you to understand it doesn't speak to me. That's it. I'm not I'm not ragging on your movie. I, that's fine. I'm probably gonna go see it. Right? I went to see Ghostbusters in the last year. I regretted that. But this sounds like it's going to be a little bit better. And that's fine. I do think they retconned and screwed up the MCU based on the spoilers. Spoilers are red. All right, but let's, let's, I'm, I'm ranting. Let's, let's, let's look at some, uh, some, some facts. First, as of right now, it is Saturday morning, very early, and they're tracking at $78 million globally on a budget of $152 million. Now, keep in mind, the budget for the production doesn't include, typically doesn't include the budget for the marketing. But it does seem like they might actually come out on top. Some of the reports I've said say that Captain Marvel is tracking at $160 million opening weekend. I don't know if that's true. I mean, I don't know what they're basing that on. If they're sitting at $78 million, I'd have to estimate like maybe over 100 maybe 120 But, you know, uh, Thursday previews and Friday is really big. Saturday will be big. Sunday won't be as big. So, so it's, it's, it's entirely possible they got two days left. So, but that, that would mean they're going to pull in another $80 million, which, yeah, feasibly, it's possible. I've heard there's really cringy things about the movie. I, I pull up the latest Metacritic uh, rating, and it's still sitting at 65. But now I want to talk about some of the uh, let's talk about some of the issues. What do we have here? What you're seeing in front of you is an accusation that positive reviews, fake positive reviews, are brigading. I can't prove these are real. It's entirely possible that someone who hates the movie wants to smear them to make it look like the reviews are fake. But you don't need to worry about this because I can tell you the reviews are fake, plain and simple. We've got an, I've got another story I'm going to show you. But what I will say is I'm not a conspiracy theorist, and the only thing I can do is, is, is Hanlon's, uh, Occam's razor. The simple solution tends to be the correct one. So, yes, there are people who are brigading Captain Marvel's reviews. I pointed this out yesterday. I even thought that the swing was going to be 10 to 20 points. Turns out it was like 4 points. But it has gone up uh, since people started seeing the movie and saying they liked it. So I do think they're getting uh, uh, a lot of people who don't like the movie. But here's the thing, too. A lot of the reviews sound like, at least in my opinion, people actually did go to see the movie. Um, I, I, you know, here's the thing. When it, came to, uh, when it comes to certain movies, I'm like, I want to see them for the cultural news issues. Because this is what I do. I, I do commentary. I do news. And so part of me was like, maybe I should just go see it so that I can tell people what it was like. This time, however, I'm not a movie critic. I'm not a movie, so I was like, I'm gonna sit this one out, you know, and, and we'll see what happens because last night I was bad. It's entirely possible these positive reviews are fake. They're all identical, and they're saying it's the same thing. Captain Marvel is really worth it. It was entertaining, yada yada yada. But it's also possible that someone who hates the movie is trying to smear it. That's a conspiracy theory. All we can really see is that we have a bunch of identical reviews that are in favor of the movie. So maybe that's what you got. 
Vox runs this story. How Captain Marvel and Brie Larson beat the internet's sexist trolls. This narrative is... This is... This is, is Trolls tried to review bomb the movie with fake reviews ahead of its release. Oh, were you referring to yourselves? Now, now look. This is this. Don't don't consider this video an ex, uh, uh, excellent piece of journalism. Again, this is unverified. We'll never prove who made this or what what the point is. And the same is true for the other side. It's entirely possible, and I'm not a conspiracy theorist, that everything you're hearing about the negative reviews and the anger is also part of the marketing because there you know no such thing as bad press. Don't think that's true. I, I'm just saying it, it can go both ways. Here's the thing. These are not internet sexist trolls, but you, you, I assure you the establishment will do everything in its power to protect its interests. Wonder Woman. Like, like seriously, can we just get everybody, uh, everybody who is critical of Brie Larson and Captain Marvel to buy Wonder Woman shirts? I'm not even exactly. Is it okay to still have children? Realistically, having like a ton of kids is just super not good for the environment and like... AOC recently said that the world is going to be significantly worse for children in the future and that maybe we shouldn't have kids. You guys heard about AOC's Green New Deal? No. What? No. No, <laughs> no I haven't. Yeah, I have. Yes, I have heard about it. Ah, uh, yes. Do you, are you in favor of it? Ah, uh, no. Are you in favor of it? In concept, yes. In practicality and applying it, no. Are you in favor of it? I am in favor of it. Yes. Okay. Do you agree with it? Yes. Now, she went on an Instagram story, and she actually said that there is scientific consensus that the world's going to be terrible for children, that maybe young people have a legitimate question in, ask, in asking if they should still have children. Do you think we should stop having kids? Um, I don't think we should stop having kids. There's even a birth strike movement currently going on where women are forgoing having kids for the environment. My decision for being on birth strike mostly has come from not wanting to pass that fear on to someone else. Do you think that that's smart? No, that's dumb. <laughs> that's just that's just dumb. <laughs> I'm definitely for like like a lot of environmental policy um, just because within the past like couple of years Trump has really uh, like today junior sure the world is gonna be harder but we're humans we survive adaptability is gonna kill the planet faster and is not like healthy for them but having like one or two kids is like perfectly safe and okay I think. spreading on your like DNA is kind of selfish especially in the reason that we have a super huge overpopulation crisis and that contributes more and more and more to global warming I think that like our environment is in question right now and I think that we are doing a lot to ruin it and so it's important for us to be proactive um i mean i agree i think the last thing i saw was that uh 32 percent of people below the age of 25 were like seriously considering not having kids you're suggesting like limits on children like the one child policy yeah exactly exactly i think i could see something like that happening and that's a little bit more reasonable than you know like not having any children at all i think that's very realistic just because you know so many animals plants are dying right now that like what world will they live in i fed up with this world did that stop you from having kids well i'm gay and i don't want to have children so like that's not gonna affect me from not having kids because i'm not gonna have kids anyway i'm not gonna have kids anyway no you shouldn't have your own kids you can there's nothing wrong with it but like i personally for that reason could justify for my whole life never having kids human nature to reproduce and um it is not human nature to like be greedy and like take um, from the resources that we have and just like overuse. So if there, there can definitely be another way um, besides not having children. Because I think there was a like report that said we have like 12 more years before we cause like drastic damage to the world. 
And so, I don't know, I think it's important to have legislation that protects our environment. The lives of children are going to be very difficult. So to the latter first, Julie Galef, study, I would run if I had time, recruit 10,000 people, unsure if they want kids, ask them questions. Do you enjoy kids? Do you enjoy your life, main pros, cons? Three, follow up 20 years later and ask, did you have kids or not? Did you have kids or not? Look for predicators of satisfaction with each choice. My wife and I originally wanted three kids, had one, decided after a few years that one was plenty. Though I love my son, I now know myself well enough and know the challenge of parenting well enough to say that having kids is probably my biggest life regret. I could read you 50 other ones. This is the most self-centered bullshit I've ever seen in my life. You just, it's fucking embarrassing. To the YouTuber, there's a shitload of those out there. I cut that one in like a third of what it was. It was like 15 minutes of him ranting. But the reason why is YouTube changes search algorithm to suppress criticism of Brie Larson. If you search Brie Larson on YouTube a couple days years days ago, sorry, the top search results were called for a boycott of Captain Marvel, an angry rant about Larson's involvement in the Marvel Cinematic Universe with one small change YouTube made all that disappears. This week, YouTube recategorized Brie Larson as a newsworthy search term that does one very important job. It makes the search algorithm surface videos from authoritative sources on the subject instead of videos from individual creators. YouTube responds with videos from Entertainment Tonight, ABC, CBS, CNN, and it's all saying, we love her. It was rolled out in October 2017 to make everybody be fair but they don't want it to be fair. Because all you get is articles like this. Fox, how Captain Marvel and Brie Larson beat the trolls. Trolls tried to review Mob, bomb the movie with fake reviews ahead of its release. Mashable, why Captain Marvel doesn't need to be a feminist story. Original, Captain Marvel's shallow take on feminism doesn't land. But they changed the article. How do I know that? I bookmarked the article as original Captain Marvel's shallow take on feminism doesn't land. They got attacked by the mob, and by the time I went back to the article, the title had changed. My bookmark still said shallow take, but it had changed to doesn't need to be feminist. Hesitating to see Captain Marvel? Then you must be a bad feminist. That's WAPO. Captain Marvel writer movie will inspire women's studies and academic papers. Yeah, that that's actually an article. How Captain Marvel audience scores since Rotten Tomatoes? 58%. They purged all the super negative. It's at 58%, which is not good. And then it did 153 million. It is like the seventh best Marvel movie, but you'll never hear that. You just won't hear it. It's the greatest movie ever. Because the goddess circled the wagons for the sexist. She's the sexist. Not the guy's dumping on her. But I had to play that soundbite of that guy because it's what I said. You don't fuck with geeky white guys. They own the internet, folks. And my, you may think it's your SJW mob, but on YouTube and on subjects of geekyhood, oh, you're going to get your ass beat. Then we had the big news. Famous actress paid bundle of money to bribe their kids way into college. I listened to a bunch of shows on it yesterday. This is the dumbest shit ever. They even had a guy photoshopping students' face on athletes, getting them scholarships for athletic athletic scholarships for rowing and 
things they didn't even do, which just blows my mind. But the most peculiar thing about it is they scammed the SATs. These were kids that were getting thousands, and then all of a sudden they get 1,300, 1,400, 1,500. They got in prestigious schools, and they didn't fail. So what does it say about the schools? Literally, what does it say about them? You know, I guess it doesn't matter to be smart. Um, just unbelievable parents would spend hundreds to millions of dollars to get their kids into schools when they're already famous. They could have gotten it. I mean, look at that little fucking piece of shit hog. He doesn't have the grades. He's going to fucking Yale or Harvard. They're going to let these important people in. It doesn't matter if you have fucking credentials or not. Amid Ilion Omar anti-Semitic comments, Ivy League students pushed to divest from Israel. You expect that. Minority students offered no whites safe space racial healing circles. This was in San Diego State. We've already covered a bunch of these, but it literally is, you know, no white people can come. Which I once again don't understand how that's even a fucking thing. Students of color at NY College stage sit-in, hurl nine-page list of demands, target conservative professor. Not going to read it. It's the same old shit. It's just like that Arizona shit I did long ago. They want money. They want this. They want everybody fired who doesn't agree with them. It's really kind of sad. Barbie clothes designer defends doll from body shamers. Times are changing, and we're all evolving. The iconic doll Barbie will be 60 on Saturday, leaving behind a legacy that has often been saddled with controversy over the body image the doll promotes. Carol Spencer, who designed Barbie's outfits for over three decades, said those criticisms are unfair. Speaking with people, Spencer said Barbie's body design was never out of proportion and that her critics did not understand the scale. Times are changing, we're all evolving, said Spencer, but I don't think she was out of proportion. People don't understand doll scale, and she's a doll. Part of Barbie will always be fantasy. Let's make sure we understand. It is a doll. It's not real. She doesn't have a vajayjay. I mean, well, wait a minute. You're all into that on the left. You don't have to have a vajayjay to be a woman. It's all a fucking construct. Never mind. New graphic queer comedy, Now Apocalypse, will have you wishing for the end. Star's new sci-fi millennial comedy, Now Apocalypse, premiered on Sunday. Had me think of the title of the first episode. This is the beginning of the end. Is too true. In just 30 minutes, pretty much every kind of sex and sexuality is shown. Solo, mutual masturbation, heterosexual and homosexual sex, and even a form of bestiality. Well, isn't that nice? Hmm. Then Deborah Messing posts empowering vagina cupcakes and gets trashed. <laughs> Actress and left-wing activist Deborah Messing caught major backlash from Social Justice Warrior after a woke International Women's Day post of empowering vagina cupcakes was deemed transphobic. In the current year, not all women have vaginas or something. Messing, a privileged cisgendered white woman, was eventually forced into apology. Happy International Women's Day, powerful, beautiful, and sweet. The Will and Grace actress posted Friday capturing an image of cupcakes that look like vaginas. This is the full thing. The photo is supposed to be light and sassy. The first thought I thought when I saw this photo is, wow, how wonderful. Each one is unique in color, shape, and size. Color, shape, and size. 
The porn industry has perpetuated this myth of what a beautiful vagina looks like. And as a result, there are women who feel shame or insecure about the shape of their vulva. I love that this picture said, every single one is beautiful, blah, blah, blah. So, you knew the mob was coming. So when are we going to stop equating genitalia to gender? I love you so much, Deborah, but this super exclusionary of trans women that aren't really women, and that's not cool. Hope you realize this literally excludes trans women. Love you, Deborah, but my anatomy doesn't define my anatomy doesn't define me, nor does the absence of one define trans women. Just saying. Just a friendly reminder that body parts do not equate gender. Much love to all the women today and every day. Be fierce. This is very cool, but let's not erase trans women. Not all women have vulvas. Well, yes, they do. That's part of the vagina, which makes somebody a woman. If I wanted to hear the opinion of every turf in the world, this comment section would be the perfect place to do so. What the fuck? Ugh. It goes down the line of the last one that we did, which was the Alyssa Milano shit that I am. I am everybody. First and foremost, who the fuck eats vagina cupcakes? Let's just break that down. How do you even make... You know, I in a million years on International Man Day, which there isn't one, would make dick cupcakes. Well, I guess it would be testicle cupcakes because they're around. Dick fucking cannolis with fucking, fucking testicle cupcakes. No, I wouldn't do that. I don't want to eat a dick. I mean, just thinking about it makes me not want to eat hot dogs. I'm not homophobic, but it's just not my thing. I don't want a penis in my mouth, either cake form or regular, because I'm heterosexual. I mean, maybe at a fucking bachelor party, vagina cupcakes would make sense. But I just don't see my wife, yeah, she's a turf, cis-normative, making vagina cupcakes and eating them. I mean, I'd eat them. I'd make a bunch of little kid sounds and fucking make jokes about it. I, I gotta admit, I'd probably do that. But what is wrong with you making vagina cupcakes? It, it goes with that fucking sci-fi thing on stars. It's such a sexual perversion. You say take sex out of it, gender out of it, take all this shit out of it. But then you make vagina cupcakes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I had a Hollywood soundbite, not going to play it, but it was the same old shit. I have a better one on the end, we'll do that. Rapper T.I. suggests the attacks on Michael Jackson are racist conspiracy. Let's make sure we understand something. I watched that, leaving, leaving Neverland. I always thought he did molest little boys, and the reason why I thought that is not because I'm a super racist, homophobic piece of shit. Grown men don't walk around with little boys. Grown gay men don't walk around with little boys. This is something they don't do. We just don't do that. Unless they're related to us. And we damn sure don't sleep with them. My grandkids, by the time they were leaving diapers, no longer hung out with Grandpa in bed. When they were in diapers, they'd wake up every morning, jump in bed. We had a TV on the wall. He thought that was really cool. We'd watch fucking Ren and Stimpy or the fucking... uh, those penguin fuckers. I can't. Madagascar. Penguins of Madagascar. Eat donuts and hang out. Grandpa was in his boxers and a t-shirt. 
grandson was in his diaper. The moment he got out of diaper, that ended because that's not appropriate, and he's related to me. So why wouldn't I think Michael Jackson was molesting kids? He walked around with kids. But when you watch this, my daughter, who I told her initially, don't watch it. Then she watched it, and then she wished she wouldn't have watched it because she really loves Michael Jackson. In fact, I'm mailing her a thriller. It's her album because uh, we found it in some boxes downstairs. She was crushed. She was seriously crushed because it was horrible. The things he did were disgusting. Making little boys bend their butt cheeks so he could jack off and look at their butthole. That's the kind of shit that's in this show. But there's a whole industry pushing back saying it's racist. No, it's not. Michael Jackson was whiter than I am. You can't bring his race into it. What he did was horrible. It's hard to watch. That's how horrible it is. He ruined two men. They're ruined. And it took him forever to come around to tell the truth because they were so enamored with this guy and had been trained not to say anything. They didn't want to say anything. But then they had their own kids and they had an awakening that what happened to them was fucking horrible. And it was. So I don't suggest to watch it, but I had to cover it because I did and I wish I wouldn't have. Not because I like Michael Jackson. It's just disgusting. It's just disgusting. It's perversion. Some more media stuff. Decline in readers' ad leads hundreds of newspapers to fold because all you do is print liberal diatribe. And then I get this exciting news. CBS staffers in a panic over call for a $100 million cut. They're cutting a lot of people. That's a lot of cuts. And then... This article, which I put in here, and then it totally got overshadowed. Blizzard kills 1,850 cows in Yakima. And then if you woke up this morning and turned on the Weather Channel, which I do because we have extreme weather coming in here, 60 to 80 million mile per hour winds. Denver got buried. I got called sis because she got buried. That is a serious story. It is called a, what's it, it's a bomb? Um... Something bomb where the pressure drops so deep it turns into a massive storm and it's like a fucking hurricane over land. And they showed pictures of people in Nebraska. Eight, ten inches of snow instantly. The wind's blown so far you can't see shit. They had a string of vehicles trying to rescue vehicles. They all got stuck. God be with those people. And then for us, it's just going to be serious. We're in our tornado watch. There's already a tornado on the ground in Arkansas. It's a hot fucking mess. So be safe out there. And then um, two funny articles before going to a lighter fare. Richmond woman wins Virginia lottery 30 times in one day. 5000 bucks each time. Picked up a check for 150000 Man, she, she better stay indoors. She's going to get hit by lightning. That's crazy. And then this story that just, wow, not true. Early risers have more active sex life, survey says. Bullshit. Welcome at 4.30 this morning. I haven't got laid lately, so that's just bullshit. So, going to go into a lighter fare. I got two skits from SNL. It was fantastic this weekend. There was very little trumpery other than the weekend update. And it was really funny. The first one is, can I play that skit? Which basically is actors realizing that now you can't play anything 
and they actually brought in the Will Smith article that we covered on the last one. And then the other one, the impossible Hulk about liberal white ladies. And I just thought it was fucking hilarious. Enjoy. And now it's time for actor's least favorite game. With your host, Jenny Glanz. Hello. Hello, hello. And welcome to Can I Play That? Where I describe a role in an upcoming movie. And our contestants, David, Jackie, and Lawrence, all working actors, will have to decide, can I play that? (laughs) For example, it was just announced that Will Smith will play the father of the Williams sisters. But can he play that? Uh, Lawrence. Yes, of course. He'll do a great job. Oh, anybody else? He absolutely cannot. He's not black enough. What? (laughs) You are right, Jackie. Wait, wait, wait. Is this real? It sure is, because this game is produced by Twitter. (laughs) Twitter, one mistake, and we'll kill you. (laughs) All right. Our first role is blind person. Can you play it? Yeah, I can play that. Oof. Oof. Uh, what? what? Wow. God took their sight, and now you want to take their job. No, no, no. <laughs> wait a second, wait a second. Isn't that what acting is about, you know, becoming someone you're not? Not anymore, no. Now it's about becoming yourself, but with a different haircut. Okay, next role, astronaut. Uh, no, I cannot play that. Wait, wait, why can't he play that? Well, I just sensed it was a trap. And it was. The astronaut was secretly Mexican all along. Secretly? That's right. The astronaut seemed white the whole movie, but in the last scene when he gets back from Jupiter, he does 23 and Me and discovers that he's 5% Mexican. Oh, man, that would have been no bueno. Watch it. Okay. Now, what about... Caitlyn Jenner in the Caitlyn Jenner biopic. Okay, I can't play that. That's correct. Bonus follow-up question. Who could play Caitlyn Jenner? No one. That is correct. It is an impossible movie to make. I dare someone to try. (laughs) All right, next up, a character who is half Asian. Is the character visibly Asian? Wow. Visibly Asian? Uh, Let's take 100 points away from him, please. (laughs) And bonus question, which actor can play Japanese? Anyone who's Chinese, Korean, Vietnamese, and maybe Pakistani. Exactly. Once you're generally Asian, that's as far as anybody looks into it. And last role, a ghost. Um, that depends. Who's the ghost? Michael Jackson. Wait, what, what movie is this? The Michael Jackson ghost movie. It's on Lifetime. Uh, I'm going to say no one can play that. Ooh, close. Only one person can play the ghost of Michael Jackson. Can you name that person? Ooh, I know. Rami Malek. Correct. Somehow, Rami Malek can play anybody. All right. Let's move on to our lightning round. You'll each have 10 seconds to name as many roles as possible that you can play. David, let's start with you. 10 seconds on the board. What can you play? Uh, a white guy. Uh, a white guy who gains 50 pounds. Uh, slave owner. Uh, and uh, that, that's it. That is correct. You named all three.
three roles you can play. All right. Jackie, your turn. What can you play? Um, mom. Uh, horny mom. A uh, white teacher who helps minorities. Okay, a white teacher who learns from minorities. Uh, and uh, president of the United States. In a comedy or a drama? Comedy. In a comedy, we will accept it, yes. Okay, Derek, you're up. Can I pass? Well, that depends. Do you want me to put your face on the Michael Jackson ghost poster? Uh, okay, then. Ten seconds on the clock. What can you play and go? Uh, Sammy Davis Jr. No, sorry, he was Jewish. Uh, an extra in an ADT home security commercial. Nope, those all have to be white people now. Okay, alien from outer space. Well, when the actual aliens arrive, do you really want to be the guy who put on green face? All right, fine, fine. You know, how about a new voice in a new Lion King movie? Hmm, which voice? Uh, it don't matter. All the animals are African. Yeah, but society has decided that the lion voice is a black, but the meerkat is Billy Eichner. Well, well, well I'll play the damn bird, Zazu. Oh, I'm sorry. That's John Oliver. I guess he's a holdover from when it was a British colony. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll return with our final round. Can you play James Bond? Hey, I know the answer to that one. Do you, though? <laughs> we'll find out after the break on... Your total was two hundred eight dollars and forty five cents. Sorry, did you say two hundred and eight? And forty five cents. Yes. The sign said it was half off. Uh, not this shirt. <laughs> Just the stuff in that section. Oh, it was in that section. Oh, well, then that was a mistake. Somebody must have moved it. Well, I guess I'll just get my money back. <laughs> I'm sorry, sir. We only offer store credit. It's store policy. Oh, come on, that's bull. Sir, I'm going to ask you to calm down and lower your voice. Oh, my voice! You're trying to rip me off, and I'm getting upset. Okay, security! And you won't like me when I'm upset. What's the problem here? What the hell? Let go of me. Ain't nobody even touching you. I want my money back right now. While working in his lab located above a Tory Birch, Dr. Bruce Banner was hit with gamma radiation in a failed experiment, causing him to transform into an emboldened white lady whenever he is provoked. He is the Impossible Hulk. I told you, sir, the store policy is... No, you're being aggressive. I'm calling the police. For what? 911, what's your emergency? Yes, hello, yes. I'd like to report an act of aggression. We are literally just standing. No, they're crowding me. I cannot breathe. Sir, just take your money back. It's fine. No, do not rush me. Do not try to silence me. Oh, man. This dude is impossible. Uh. Oh. Oh. What just happened? Can you please turn the music down? I'm trying to sleep. Yo, you were forever complaining. Why don't you just move? Look, I don't want to argue, okay? I'm asking you to turn the music down or else. Or else what, huh? Or else I'm going to get upset. Get upset, dear. What's up? Let go of my arm. Man, ain't nobody.
Hey, dude, calm down. I need your manager now. This is an apartment. Calm down. You will not get away with this. 911, what's your Yes, I'm being aggressed right now. Aggressed? Are you in fear? Yes, I'm shaking. I'm in a lot of fear. Mr. Brainer, we'll turn the music down for real. It's not a problem. And keep laughing. Keep laughing. You're going to be in a lot of... <laughs> oh. Huh? Hey, you okay, bro? I'm fine. I just think I need a froyo. A froyo? Next time on The Impossible Hulk. Damn it. Yo, 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 my man. You know why I'm stopping you? Because you're an aggressive ass. You know what? It's cool. I'm filming you, ass. Drive safe, buddy. And then, for more funny, this came out this week. It's called Q, a genderless digital voice assistant. Hi, I'm Q, the world's first genderless voice assistant. Think of me like Siri or Alexa, but neither male nor female. I'm created for a future where we are no longer defined by gender, but rather how we define ourselves. My voice was recorded by people who neither identify as male nor female, and then altered to sound gender neutral, putting my voice between 145 and 175 hertz, a range defined by audio researchers. What was that? That's a guy talking like a dude. So that's what genderless is? Really? Hmm. Which brings us to our This is America, which is once again the horrible things that are said the last soundbite, which is not the truth, because I have one more after it to prove the point. And just how horrible everything is nowadays. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. It's time for the last soundbite. Like the media say when they are pushing fake liberal agenda stories. This is America in 2019. I can tell you that that's pure fiction and not, not believable whatsoever. What, what do you take from uh, from this book? Well, is, is it a sign that loyalty is, is preeminent with the, the Trumps? I don't think so. No, I think mediocrity is. When you're too mediocre even for Donald Trump, you really got a problem. And of course they survived. I mean, cockroaches are going to survive nuclear war. Uh, He's talking about Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump. They're Jewish, by the way. So in the world that we live in, that would be called anti-Semitism if he was conservative. And for those that don't know who Paul Magali is, he's one of the Clintonites that have been on our media forever, calling two people cockroaches, and that's okay. It seems like a weak This Is America, but that was said on CNN. During a time we're talking about anti-Semitism. But it's okay. Because on our media, it's always inserted. Here are 40 times in the month that they called conservative people assholes. And a show that literally I watch, Proven Innocent, talking about anti-abortion people, or what I like to call pro-life like we have saying? a complete moron and asshole in the White House right now. And Abraham Lincoln, Barack Obama, and now we have a thug in the White House. <laughs> it's shameful. But we need wall, because wall works. Wall makes safe. 
and they're going to make an example of this guy the rest of his life, and he should be panicked. You should be very afraid of President Trump. It is cute that he thinks he's still going to be president in July. You know, these guys are the son of Sam killers, and he is the dog that they are listening to. You can't even get on the Black History Month poster until he approves. Boy, we are not putting Ben Carson on the list. Are you suggesting a communist form of government in Texas? I suppose I am. But the Green Deal is a good idea. is not a crime but shame is the issue here the shame of a young woman barely past her teen years who felt she had to hide her pregnancy the shame of deciding whether to keep a baby she might not want the shame of hiding the identity of that baby's father to protect him Sarah Bukhari made mistakes and for those mistakes she had her whole life taken from her She's being used as a tool for political advocates to punish women for having an abortion. When the sad irony is she didn't even have one. If protecting life is the goal of the state, why aren't we protecting a woman's life as well? Denying Sarah her freedom would not only be a lost opportunity at righting a great wrong it would place the greatest shame upon us all. Miss Scott, that was a moving closing argument. But I have a different view. And that is, all life is precious. Terminated pregnancies are seen as murder to tens of millions of people in this country. Murder of a life that has no means of defending itself. When a woman gets pregnant, she becomes God's partner in creation. Whether your client had an abortion or simply failed to see a doctor, which she admits she did not, she did not protect that life. Maybe she was filled with shame. But a greater shame is her unborn child never even stood a fair chance. Therefore, I am denying your motion for a new trial. Your Honor, the state has agreed to allow the petitioner to plead guilty to unlawful disposal of a fetus and request she be released immediately for time served. Now, you listen to me, little lady. The petitioner's evidentiary showing throughout these proceedings has led the state to believe the defendant has served her time. And if the state rejects this plea offer, I'll appeal this all the way to the Supreme Court. I'll never go away, Your Honor. That. I don't find hard to believe. And in the future, I would appreciate if the court referred to me as Deputy Prosecutor Molina, or just Deputy Prosecutor. That's fine, Deputy Prosecutor. And I look forward to seeing you again in my court. As do I, Your Honor. Defendant is released based on the plea deal and time served. May the Lord save her soul. <laughs> Now, before I rant, I had this story encapsulated in here.
prior to Ben Shapiro covering, because it's about Ben Shapiro. Sadie Doyle, conservatives, especially religious conservatives, can get upset about rape in the context of teen drinking or hookup culture because they see the rapist as overwhelmed by the sin of lust. The same behavior in marriage is fine because women aren't supposed to enjoy sex anyway. Some chick named Heather. I mean, sure, if you pretend this is 1819 instead of 2019. And along with it, I found from this some chick named Heather, who I follow, Recode's Kara Swisher brought up the Ben Shapiro problem at the Lesbians with Who Tech Summit in San Francisco in a talk with CEO of YouTube, Susan Wojcik. She had the head of the company right there to discuss child safety online and had a personal bring to bring, bring up. We'll just quote Swisher. I had the soundbite. I'm not going to play it. My son, who is 13 years old, started watching Ben Shapiro videos, and he's like the gateway drug to the next group. And then it goes right to Jordan Peterson. Then it goes down, and in three clicks, he was in neo-Nazi stuff. I was, it was astonishing, and then I had to listen to it at dinner, and I was sort of like, I'm going to kill Susan Wojcik first. Wait, it gets worse. Speaking of her son, Swisher defeatedly said he's lost. But Wojcicki was there to pick up the pieces. No, we can work on your son here. I have a son too, and I get some of these discussions also at the dinner table. I think what you're describing is, and the way we think about it too, look, there's a set of content that has to meet the community guidelines. Ben Shapiro is going to meet the community guidelines. I don't think you're suggesting that we remove him from the platform, are you? I would, but I can't, Swisher replied. The full thing is, but I, it was sort of like, I was sort of like, it feels like, as I said, I think you heard me say this. It feels like all you tech companies have built cities, these beautiful cities, but you decided not to initially put in police, fire, garbage, street signs, and stuff like that. And so it feels like the purge every night. It's a good joke, but it, it's sort of like, and then I've got this kid who's like, the left really loves the word like. Well, Ben Shapiro is sort of smart. I'm like, no, he's not. Not even slightly. He's, he's clever, but he's an idiot. Anyway, it's just exhausting. But it's a huge effect on him. Do you feel like the people are a bigger thing and it's not your total responsibility, Susan? But do you feel like the people in Silicon Valley have a sense of this, of the impact they have and are capable of dealing with it? Or will regulatory measures just have to come into place? Because it's already starting in Europe. It's starting in California. Here with privacy bills. Do you feel like you're able to do that? Shapiro, of course, bashed her and said, you can come on my show. I'll talk with you. People said, I'm sure she's, he's at home now in a 24-7 indoctrination camp. So what's my point? We started the show with something that Tucker Carlson said 10 years ago when he worked for MSNBC on a shock jock radio, which says horrible shit. For reason. We listen to our media say horrible things about other Americans because they don't agree with them, including Nazi, xenophobe, homophobe, sexist, all week long. That's that's what they call people. We end with Begala calling people cockroaches because they don't believe in what he believes, and they happen to be Jewish, which highlights what we already covered, which is Omar got away with being an anti-Semitic. Tlaib, as we just proved, is seriously anti-Semitic on our Instagram account. 
but they're allies, so we don't care about it. So we pass bills to kill white supremacy, which really isn't a problem in our country unless you look for it. I mean, seriously, do you know any white supremacists? I don't. I don't know any white supremacist websites. You have to look for that. And then by the very end, we listen to a soundbite of 40 times in one month, the President of the United States, the office we're supposed to respect regardless of who's in it, is what we were told under Obama, being called an asshole over 40 times. Pro-life people are evil. Judges that are pro-life are fucking evil and that skit from Proven Innocent. And it's all wrapped up nice and neat by a, a leading liberal from Recode saying that Ben Shapiro content shouldn't be available for our kids because now she hates her kid because he believes thoughts she doesn't agree with. Anybody who's been with the show a long time knows both my kids are atheists. I'm a Christian. Both my kids are not conservative. My son's a libertarian and my daughter is a flying off the tree liberal who has disowned me numerous times. And no time during their upbringing did I shove my opinion on them. I exposed them, but I let them be whatever they wanted because that's the world that we live in. And anybody that knows human nature understands if you're a severe conservative, you're severely Christian. Initially, your kids are going to be the total fucking opposite. My daughter married a war protester, a guy with long hair who I did not like when I first met. He was the antithesis of me. That's human nature. But to say that Ben Shapiro content should not be available on YouTube, but anti-Semitic Rashida Tlaib can have all the airtime she wants and call both parties Islamophobic for siding with Israel. Really? It's not about free speech for our media or the Democratic Party. It's about suppression. They don't want opposing views. They don't want people to have opinions. They want everybody to shut the fuck up and do as they're told, believe what they tell you, and if you don't, they just label you a name. I mean, in your lifetime... Even if you're a liberal out there who once again listens to this show to get fired up, did you ever think a major party would vote for illegal immigrants to have the right to vote when they're not even citizens? Did you ever think that would be a thing? It happened. And they did. They voted for ballot harvesting which was just found to be pretty problematic in North Carolina. I mean, seriously, folks. If that's your political persuasion, that's pretty un-American. And as I've diatribed from day one of the Trump administration, that's what you say he is, a fascist. You formed a group, Stop Fascism Now! You're the fascist, folks. If you think content should not be available that's conservative, and Ben Shapiro's a gateway drug to white supremacy, are you fucking shitting me? 
I listened to the Shapiro show. It is not even 25 degrees close to like a Rush Limbaugh or a Sean Hannity. It's pretty intelligent conversation. Quick, bullet pointed. He's conservative, but unlike me, he called out Tucker Carlson, said what he said was fucking horrible. I didn't. I don't even know what he said because I really don't care. It was 10 years ago. 10 years ago. And more importantly, he worked for MSNBC. So you're boycotting boycotting Fox for something somebody did at MSNBC. Shouldn't you be boycotting MSNBC? But the key point is, all of these people trying to suppress, the media trying to brainwash, Hollywood trying to interject in every turn, every night on CNN and MSNBC, far worse things are said about fellow Americans for just having an opposing view on abortion, politics, what have you. I by no means think anybody should be silenced. I think if you're a politician and you're for the abolishment of Zionism and you think Israel should be wiped off the face of the earth and you follow seriously anti-Semitic websites, I don't think you should be a politician in our government. I would say the very same thing if somebody was for white supremacy. I'd be for the very same thing for somebody who was saying that we should wipe all Muslims off the face of the earth. I wouldn't be for that. Not Islamophobic. I'm Islamist-aphobic. There's a big difference. So that's why it made This Is America 2019. It's okay on CNN to call people cockroaches when they're fucking at their, their Jews. And they're from the opposing party. It's okay. And nobody's taken front page that a woman called for the abolishment of conservative thought on YouTube. You know, here's a goddamn huge flash. It's already happening on YouTube, on Google, on Apple, on Microsoft with their media only that they select for you. Our social media platforms, which this week I officially left Facebook, they're already selecting. If you have a Twitter account, it's already pushing in their Twitter moments every anti-conservative thing they can get their dick beaters on. Their sole purpose is to push the religion of progressivism, protect all Democratic politicians, and push every extreme thing. They thought... AOC attacking a bank was a great thing. It was a Twitter moment. That if you're associated with anybody, you should be punished. But you know what I'm about to say for those who have been listening to the show. Everybody we're talking about right now is associated with Louis Farrakhan. Barack Obama was with Reverend Wright. During those moments, you said that they that has nothing to do with anything. You can't smear them all. When a crazed Bernie supporter shot a fucking baseball game up, it was okie-dokie, and we talked about Trump's violent rhetoric. Not the guy with an assassination list. I mean, seriously. The more and more this pushes 
the more and more Trump gets elected. I truly believe that. Because if this is where we're going two years out from an election, and you're going to protect anti-Semites, wow. I'm just telling you, you don't know the American people. You don't know the normal Americans in the middle of the country. You just don't know them. You're never going to get rid of that pesky little electoral college. It's going to be there. And voting in all illegals get the right to vote? Wow. That's probably not going to sit well in places like Texas where you want to turn it blue. I'm just saying. So, this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politics Podcast. Please feel free to share this with your family and friends and send an email with comments for suggestions for segments or that this podcast suck, I suck, whatever, to F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. Fop Podcast, gmail.com. You can get this show on SoundCloud, Podcast Attic, Tudor Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, and Stitcher. Remember to check out our Facebook page at, at Fop Podcast. It's there still. I switched to a different account, so I don't have to use my Facebook. I can just go on and log in and do this. And our Twitter page at Fop Tony Reed. That's Fop Tony Reed. Next podcast, we're going to take a little break to hopefully clean things out and get something new. Let's shoot for the 19th of March, year of our Lord, 2019. That is Tuesday next week. For those who are in my part of the world, be careful out there. Big storm's coming. I'm staying home. i got to go do some grocery shopping, but I'm going to wait until the storm pushes through. For you in Denver and the Midwest that just got pelted with, and are still getting pelted as it goes up towards the lakes, be careful out there. Blizzards are not something to fuck with. Remember, disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah-yeahs. It's a short ride. You need to take advantage of every moment you have with your children, your wife, your loved ones, what have you. And tune in next Tuesday for our next show. As always, thanks for listening, and take care. Thank you for listening to Flyover Politic Podcast. Please check out our Facebook page at FOP Podcast and Twitter account at FOP Tony Reed. Remember, it's a short ride. Make every day count.